reactions. Um, I don't think we've been treated this week. <laughs> I don't, oh, oh, we have been well and truly treated. Um, so yeah, again, myself, Pro Dragonfire, and well, my esteemed colleague over here. Oh, I'm that's me. Your colleague now. Yeah, I'm going to call you a colleague now. I think this is this is a business. Well, I, think. I mean, I prefer colleague to twat. So you know. Uh, you know, could have dropped the C bomb, I suppose. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, but mate, what a cracking race today! Mm. We have been absolutely blessed with everything, just everything. Yeah. I'd... Where do we even begin with this today? I mean, there's so much to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You kick us off. You kick us off. Go on. So, ironically, he says, I've got a little list of things to talk about down here. I would like to kick us off with something non-F1 very briefly and very quickly. Um, And I'm absolutely certain that you will echo my sentiments here. But I just want to send my condolences to the family of the marshal that sadly passed away at Brands Hatch following an incident i know some of the news and information coming out of it has been a bit vague about what it is and i don't think anything's been televised rightly so a man died um but as all the f1 drivers have said you know marshals are what makes it possible for these guys to go racing and they do it for no pay they do it for the love of the sport and to lose your life for something like that is is terrible so condolences to to everyone involved yeah um exactly what you said mate um I was quite horrified because I mean there was there was another recent fatality at Brands Hatch as well in a separate uh, race event that was ongoing. And like you say, like without these guys in the orange, you know, the orange army as they're called, we, we wouldn't be going racing at all. Like it just wouldn't happen. Nowhere around the world you wouldn't have your Formula One, you wouldn't have your MotoGP. Um, these guys are essentially the heroes of motorsport. They make it what it is hugely passionate about it you know they they camp it out for the full weekend you know they they start earlier than anyone else at the tracks you know yeah. they're at the track having briefings and stuff before the teams have even got down there they're, these guys are well guys and girls i should say are just something else you know um and yeah like i just i can't imagine what the family are going through right now but thoughts and well wishes are with them um obviously no words are gonna change what's happened but yeah rightly so no, I think absolutely, but no, no one expects to go to job to to go to work to risk losing their life, you know, even yeah. for something they love and is passionate. But it it echoes that sentiment that motorsport at any level is dangerous. Doesn't matter what you're doing, it's dangerous and, and it needs to be respected. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, it shows that even now in this day and age, with all the safety that we've still got, it it it's that that reality is still there. That's still a part of motorsport that you know. But like you say, you kind of hope to be going home at the end of every event. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I r- really do wish them all the best and uh, everyone that was at the event that's been affected by it as well. Um, not least of all the driver. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then linked to that again before we get into Formula One, I want to send my best wishes. I'm sure you will as well, Pro, to yeah. uh, to Jack Aitken. Um, yes. After. Yeah. I've seen the footage now. I, I wish we could just show it on here, but I suspect it'll all be copyrighted and that might be in poor taste as well. But going through Eau Rouge in the Spa 24 hours, that was a huge accident. And when you that think was it, was, it was only two, maybe even three years ago that we lost Antoine Huber in a yeah. similar accident, in a similar place, you know, that's a scary part of the track. You're unsighted, you're flat out. 
um, that could have gone a lot worse than it did. Although he has, I believe, broken a vertebrae in that accident, which is not... Yeah. Um, he's posted up a picture, uh, if you people on Instagram, um, if you go to his Instagram, Jack Aitken, I think it's just Jack Aitken, um, go to his Instagram. Uh, he's actually posted up a picture himself from his hospital bed hmm. um, to let everyone know that he's relatively okay he has got a sling on one arm um that's something i've seen he's all braced up as well so broken a collarbone as well yeah he's uh he's pretty bad and i think that'll pretty much curtail his motorsport season this year um but then again those these guys are crazy adrenaline fueled people so don't rule it out but yeah it is you know that'll be his formula two season done i think um this season which is a shame because you know not so long ago he set foot in an f1 car in a race so anyway i hope he i hope he bounces back um there was a few other drivers caught up in that as well um, yeah. I believe they've now got the all clear from what i'm aware so i think there was only jack yeah. and there was a ferrari driver david regon was transferred oh, regon, to hospital yes. as well yes yeah yeah david regon yeah he's one of the italian chaps he races for corsa Ferrari or something like that. He's a Ferrari factory to. driver. And that's, yeah, so, that's about yeah. as much as I know. But uh, but yeah, yeah, everyone else appears to have been given the all clear. I, I mean, Jack's mm. you know out of immediate danger. His life's not necessarily in risk. But yeah, and that that's the relief. That's the the relieving factor of that is that yeah. the injuries he's got, he can come back from them. You know, yeah. it's not it's not beyond the realms of impossibility. Um, as long as his healing progress goes well, mm. which I'm, I yeah, no doubt it will do because these guys are in tip-top shape i mean god put me to shame any day of the week oh, you and me uh, both mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah bloody hell yeah um but yeah i think both of those yeah. just needed to be called out as as major oh, events over the weekend mm. um and now we've we've wished our our best i think yeah. we absolutely need to start talking about the race that mm. was the hungarian grand prix 2021 <laughs> what a race it was but you see i tell you what the the moment this weekend got underway with uh, just tantalizing rumors of rain and stuff like that i was kind of thinking if it rains here in hungary i mean we've seen what happened with jensen button's first win back in 2006 mm. when it rains anything can happen at hungary and it didn't disappoint i mean even qualifying had its dramatics you know science put it in in the wall yeah uh mick schumacher in free practice free mm-hmm. uh, ruled himself out oh god it was it, just right from the get-go it just had that air about it that something's get something's in the works here and yeah. this could flourish into something that is going to be one to remember um it kind of harks back to the hockenheim race in the wet and all that kind of stuff you know yeah. Monza with Gasly winning and yeah. right from Crofty's it's lights out and away we go it was uh, yeah away we go <laughs> um, yeah well, you were only so, talking a couple of weeks ago about oh, good old Bernie and, and his yeah. idea of turning sprinklers on to make wet races for the excitement this this is well, why he had that stupid yeah. idea uh, Bernie you're a genius <laughs> not saying I want it for every race but um yeah i mean turn one let's talk about turn one uh there's no other place to really start with this 
turn one was an absolute it was like a forza motorsport lobby turn one it was like us jumping in the open lobbies on f1 2019 yeah and having a, a lemming in the lobby that that's what that was <laughs> um exactly what it was like. bottas and stroll uh, I don't understand what was going through their minds. I, I've been stroll. What a hero! <laughs> what? Yeah. What a turn one hero! I mean, uh, to be honest, you know, for these drivers that are meant to be the elite of the elite, yeah, uh, it just it just reeked of desperation from two of these drivers. Oh, do you think? So I, know, I'm a little bit more kind. I, I, I think Bottas, I, you know, Lando cut okay. in front of Bottas in a perfectly legit yeah, move. That, no, nothing yeah. against Lando. No, but what that meant Lando. was Valtteri was almost unsighted coming up to a breaking point of a corner that he didn't know because the breaking point had moved because the track had, had changed conditions. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I'm inclined to sort of give him the benefit of the doubt there and say, you know, okay. it was a bit... A bit ill-advised. He should have been a bit more cautious. Yeah. But you know, at the moment, I think Valtteri recognises he's fighting oh, for he's, his drive. He's yeah, he's he's struggling, mm. and in my opinion, he's not coping with the stress and the pressure. Um, he's you know, he has flashes of brilliance, like in qualifying. You know, he's there. He's you know, he's got a single lap mm. pace in him. But the races, he just kind of I don't know. He goes all at sea. For want of better words, yeah. uh, Lance Stroll. I mean, okay, but Bottas, I can give a benefit of the doubt, but Lance Stroll lunging down the inside like that. I mean, okay, so I, I, yeah, I, come again, on, man. I, I don't think I don't think that was a lunge down the inside. I th- <laughs> I think that was Stroll trying to go really deep, yeah, putting his foot so, on the brakes at the normal breaking point in the dry and going, oh shit. He he's, he he just he just struck me as you know. It, he's in that mindset of when they break, I'm breaking after them, <laughs> and that is it. And that's his sole plan for that turn one. It's right when they break, I'll break after, and what happens happens. I, almost, well, I say almost. It, it's a bit harsh actually to make this comparison. It almost reminded me of Vitantonio Liuzzi's Hispania turn one Monza. <laughs> Did you know that uh, Liuzzi was the driver steward this weekend? No fucking way! <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I didn't know that. So, yeah. oh, I should have should have paid more attention to that. I've read the stewards' bloody decisions on a few things, which have again stewards' decisions uh, changing the course of results and the like. I mean, this time for more legitimate reasons, but yeah. And I think I think they got their decisions right this week. Yeah. Um, you know, now, but what I think we'll, it... we'll get to that because that's like lap three. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Now. Uh, I'm aware there is still possibly a couple of stewards' decisions outstanding that could still adjust this race result. Yeah. So, guys, when you're you're listening to our opinions and everything else, obviously we're going on what has been declared uh, about half eleven at night in the UK time. So, mm. we're going on that result. So, if this in time is, you know, we're discussing uh, a different race order, don't be alarmed. It's just the stewards decided to do more dabbling. So, yeah. Uh, so, what a clusterfuck that was. The start was an absolute mess. It was straight away. As soon as it happened, uh, just like safety car. There's like, oh, yeah. safety car, race stopped, you know, no whatever. It, yeah, it, it was going to happen. Um, you know, 
the, the weather played its part, and yeah, it's one of those things. I felt incredibly sorry for Lando being caught up in that. Yeah. Uh, Perez, Leclerc, you know, it, the, these guys were just they're in the in the you know the firing line basically, and there's nothing they could do really to get out of that. But yeah, it, absolutely. Unfortunately, it, unfortunately, it was just a train. Yeah, it was. It was. It was literally just a chain reaction, like dominoes falling. Uh, and what you can't do much more in that situation, to be honest. Mm. Um, so, no, so. absolutely. But it was. Mm. It was a real shame. Um, yeah, it was. It was an exciting start. It mixed up the grids, oh. and I think you know, you and I yeah. were texting during the race, and it was. It felt like this is what a reverse grid race would feel like. Yeah, and yeah, you know, it did. I think we we both generally agree that if you were to just do a reverse grid race for the hell of it for you know for the fans to see whilst that'd be really exciting that doesn't really feel very fair to the drivers in the best cars with the best chance of winning that that's not quite legit yeah it's but artificial. when it's mixed up by the rain and the weather and accidents that that's the luck of the draw that's what yeah happens. well that's just the cards that you're dealt isn't it you know you play the hand that you got so but yeah fair play um and then the <laughs> Hamilton all on his own on the grid. <laughs> it, was, oh. it, oh, it was just like, you know, he it, it was having the discussion on the radio with the team and letting them know what the track was doing. And everyone else kind of, you know, oh, we'll just go in here. <laughs> and uh, Hamilton's left sitting on his own. And uh, So that, that really mean, surprised me. So I, I hadn't yeah. realised that the pit the driver was allowed to communicate with the pit but the pit aren't allowed to communicate with the driver on the outlap i hadn't realized yeah. that so the pit couldn't call yeah. him in not that i think they would have made the call because they don't necessarily have the raw data that the driver gets through feeling the wheel yeah but lewis is you know lewis and max are probably two of the best wet weather drivers we have they can find the grip they can feel the grip in those mm -hmm. cars it really surprised me that Lewis didn't think this is dry enough for slicks because it absolutely was. Oh, it absolutely was, yeah. I can only assume he was thinking Hungary's a bastard to overtake at. I'll I'll stay out because I'm sure half the field will and feel it out for yeah. another few laps. And then as soon as Ocon dived in, and then it was just a train. Just every car was like, well, if he's yeah. going, I'm going. If he's going, I'm going. And I mean, that yep. grid, one car on, on the grid <laughs> to start the race. I mean... I'm not being funny. We all complained about fucking Indianapolis's starting grid in 2005. <laughs> it still had more cars on the grid than that. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes. Um, yeah, I uh, just it was one of those kind of things. You kind of just think, mm, as experienced as Hamilton is now, mm. you kind of would have thought he would have gambled on that and come in. But yeah, you know, it's uh, in a way, I'm thankful he didn't because that then led. On to what I think, in my opinion, was probably one of his better drives um, that I've seen him produce because we've actually had to see him overtaking cars mm -hmm. and proper going old school attacking Hamilton. You know, and we've not really seen that since I would say the Rosberg debacle. That went I, on. I'd argue specifically the last time I saw that would have been Germany. Um, when I can't remember if he'd had an accident, but he started back of the grid 
and had to work yep. his way back up. But that might have been in the era when Vettel was his biggest competitor, not Rosberg. Yeah. Yeah, that probably actually that probably fit more. But yeah, no, I, when, I agree. Uh, yeah. The Mercedes have been used to, up until this year where Red Bull have brought something new mm. to the table, Mercedes have been used to get your ass in front, control the race. Yeah. So to see yeah. that car, especially after Lewis, he was he was proper depressed when he came back out of the pits. He was saying on the radio, I can't get close, I can't catch these guys, it's too difficult to follow. He was he was down in the dumps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to know the conversations that went on between Bono and him that we didn't get to hear because Bono is a magician at motivation. He seems to, he seems to always extract the best out of Hamilton. And he, and you look how Bono looked after George Russell in that one race. He, he's, he deserves a lot more fucking credit than what he gets old Bono. Uh, I've, you know, He's got. He's obviously got something about him, and that's probably why he's employed by Mercedes. Um, yeah. You know, that's why I'm not in the job. Um, well, because come on, you can't uh, isn't quite enough of a motivation well, to get. Yeah, it, it, you know, <laughs> obviously, it just doesn't quite cut it, does it? You know, it doesn't quite cut the mustard. It, you know, so. Right, Lewis, point, this is but... Steve. Fucking pull your finger out and get on with it, you <laughs> twat. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, for some people that might work. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, what what a what a topsy turvy race! I mean, I just I was astounded when I was just you know looking at the race order and just seeing the names that I was just like, it, what the fuck is going on right now? Because this this is this is not normal. Like we had at one point we had Mick Schumacher in the fucking top oh. eight. I mean, what the hell? Like at one point we had Nicholas Latifi running in a podium position, and that wasn't just for a lap oh. or two. That was like a quarter was... of the race. That was a good quarter of the race, yeah. Um, and then he obviously made his pit stop. Um, yeah, I. Do you know? I, I, I briefly mentioned this in a te- text message to you. So, when Ocon obviously Ocon took over the lead of the race um, due to Alpine playing a, a, a blinder of you know strategy calls and making the right calls at the right times. Yeah. I will confidently say this is the first time I've seen Ocon put in such an assured drive under such pressure because Vettel didn't fucking leave him alone like Vettel was he was there all race long and when it comes to that pit stop phase I mean you know Vettel had a bit of a shit pit stop let's be real you know 3.3 seconds stationary Uh, and he seemed a bit clumsy on the pit entry as well like just was in the wrong gear for part of the pit entry as well and I was thinking oh no this is this is not what we need but it was so close coming out of the pits. And oh, yeah. I, I did think, you know, with the warmer tyres, I thought, Vettel's got a shot here. He And he did try it. He did try it. But my God. Um, yeah, Ocon actually today actually showed something that actually I thought, mm, okay, I haven't seen him drive like this before and handle it in such a way. Because when we've seen him under pressure before with like Perez as his teammate. Yeah. It ended up in collisions and all kinds of things. But fair play to him. He defended within his capabilities and, you know, within the laws of what's allowed on a racetrack. He did. He I, did. I, I, I was still I'm still surprised. I, I, I thought Vettel would have that. I can't deny 
that Ocon did a good job. You know, he was being hounded by a four-time world champion who I think we've surmised a few times might have lost a bit of the passion and a bit of the love and might not have gone for those half a chances, especially when he was looking at, you know, 18 points for second place. Yeah. Why, why throw it away? Um, yeah. But Ocon, Ocon did have a very assured and competent drive. Uh, you did absolutely text me to say that that was your your best review of, of Ocon's drive in a car in F1. And I think I yeah. replied with, let's not forget that even Pastor Maldonado won one race. Yes, yes, of course, of course. But fair play to the lad. He's kept yeah. it together and actually shown for the first time, I think, something. Because... Yeah. Maturity, not, you know, I think, is what he's shown. Y- yeah, because I've not really seen much from him that sort of... Yeah, he came on the scene and he achieved some good results in his debut season, but he never improved on that. Mm. He never, he never set the world alight. There wasn't anything that really particularly sort of stood out as, uh, you know, wow, this guy's going to be a future like fucking race winner, world champion, all this kind of stuff. And then today, pulls out a decent drive in challenging conditions and challenging situations. Mm. Um, yeah, fair play to him. I, whether or not that's a bit of the Alonso dynamic rubbing off, because those two seem to be working well together now. Um, yeah, well done to Osterman. I've got to say, well done to him because yeah, there are other drivers that would have crumbled under that. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. He didn't put a foot wrong. He, know, he didn't put a foot wrong. He led. He led that race for mm. what, what 68, 67 laps or something. You know, you don't you don't do Pretty that much. by just getting there in the last lap and winning a race by sure uh, pure luck. He he did a good job from start to finish, and I don't want yeah. to take anything away from him. No, what I no. will say though is. Mm. He owes Fernando Alonso a <laughs> fucking big birthday well, present. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, before we get on to Alonso as well, obviously the full race battle with Vettel as well. I've got to hand it to Vettel. Do you know what? Every time we get races like this, I'd, Vettel seems to somehow, he pulls something out of the bag and he, he he seems to have it. And that's his experience, I've got to say. <sighs> I mean, like hearing him say at the the podium thing at the end of the race, and he's just going to Ocon going, I pushed you so hard, I pushed you so hard. <laughs> and he was so apologetic to the team as well on the radio. He's going, I'm so sorry, guys. Yeah, I, I tried, I tried. And it was just like, damn, dude, you don't need to fucking apologise. That was amazing. Like, that was... We've been wanting to see races like this with these different dynamics, like, for fucking ages. Uh, and they did their best. Um, yeah. Obviously, with bringing Vettel into this mentioned we now have to unfortunately declare the stewards have ruled that they could not get enough fuel out of his car so he has in fact been disqualified from the hungarian grand prix yeah which i'm got i am absolutely gutted for him mm. and the team because they put everything into that race absolutely everything you know they they've already lost the car straight off the bat with strolls bloody antics and then for Vettel to step up to the plate and be like, right, you know, going for the race win and stuff. It was like the Vettel of old. It was awesome. Yeah. I am gutted for him. Absolutely gutted for him. I mean, they, they, they also complained about the T-shirt he was wearing, which was just a very simple, you know, everyone's equal LGBTQ um, yeah. plus shirt. It, and do you know what? Fair play to Vettel. He came out and he said, they can disqualify me or anything. I do not care. I will mm. do the same again. <clears throat> and... I completely agree with that as well. So, do you know what? Vettel is a man who, I'll be honest, I didn't really like him in his Red Bull days. I, no, he, I didn't. He, he irked me. 
But do you know what? Over the years, he's matured into a, one of the most respectful drivers on the F1 grid. Like, staying behind late at the British Grand Prix to pick up the rubbish, mm. yeah. to all of his, like, stuff that he's now doing away from the circuit and everything else. He, 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 yeah, he's, he, yeah, he's won me over. Won me over massively. It's such a shame. It's such a shame. It, it is. I don't. I, the the yeah. LB the T-shirt incident. I think would have mm. been a massive fuck up if the FIA yeah. decided to disqualify him for that. Because I think yeah. Lewis was slapped on the wrist for wearing a Black Lives Matters T-shirt last year. Yeah, yeah he was. And but he didn't get. He didn't get. I don't. I don't he think wasn't he got a reprimand. I know. So, I think it was a verbal. Yeah. I think it was a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Um, this is it. Whereas these guys have been given proper reprimands. They've been told, you know, two more of these and you get a ten place grid drop. I mean, that's for me. That's harsh. I, I think that's harsh. Absolutely. Because, and I say why this is harsh. And Formula One, fucking listen. <laughs> you purport, you purport that you want to be equal and everyone's equal, and we're all in this together when we race as one. And then you've got drivers who are legitimately honouring that and showing what they represent and what they believe in and everything else. And then you put them down for it. That yeah. seems a bit conflicting there yeah you know and this whole thing i just yeah it pisses me off and i i know football had a similar sort of thing with um with the wearing of poppies and and various other things and they they described it as not not bringing the sport or your team into a political argument and i understand that i completely understand that i get that equally if you feel strongly enough about a passionate cause mm. And it's not something that's going to divide the world. <laughs> like, you know, no. you're not flying a banner saying Jewish is the only religion you should believe in. Exactly. That would be offensive and, to a significant and, number and, of people. Don't do it. But this yeah. is fine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say this is fine more so because the actual body that's in charge of this has been saying all along since 2020, end of 2019, 2020, that we race as one and that yeah. they're encouraging support of this well you can't encourage support of something and then punish someone for supporting what you're saying your organization is all about yeah. you, you know it's one or the other make up your mind you, you can't make you can't just you can't fucking have it both ways it's you either are fully encompassing this and embracing this or you're not yeah you know you can't pick and choose that would have been had they disqualified him for that or given him a severe reprimand yeah. for it. That would have been a massive own goal on their part. Oh, massively. massively. The fuel issue, though. I mean, this this unfortunately uh, for me is this is the letter of the yeah. law, and we it we is. were talking about this at the end of the race. If mm -hmm. if the team had said Seb, Ocon, Russell, whoever it was that was involved, stop the car, get out. That's fine because they're doing so because they want to make sure there's that one liter of fuel left. Yeah. If the driver has driven it as far as they can and they've run it dry, there isn't a big enough sample for the FIA no. to test. And that is against the letter of the law. I've been looking into the details here and according, I don't know if it's coming from sensor information or what, but Aston Martin are claiming there's 1.440 yes. litres of fuel remaining, but they've yep. only been able to extract 0 0.3 litres, which the FIA say they need a litre to test so yeah. that's not enough I can only assume that either that's a ball sensor or crap in the fuel tank which is always possible or it's still just in the fuel system and they need to get it back through the vacuum lines and out of the fuel pump and everywhere else that it's involved but 
either way, it looks like they haven't done so in time. The FIA have given them as much time as they can and have said it's not there, and that's a straight DQ. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is, you know, uh, for, for Seb, that is the letter of the law, and... There was a risk of it happening because he was racing so hard yeah. throughout that race. There wasn't there wasn't a moment in time where he could just ease off and fuel save because he's in a position where he's going to have to attack if he wants that win. The you know he hasn't got that margin to you know back it off, and obviously you can't change engine modes now. You know nope. that's that's obviously a, a bygone thing so but back, backing off just no. absolutely wasn't worth doing because no. once once lewis had got past fernando and carlos which i'm sure yeah. we'll get to um yes. he was 5.8 seconds off the back of seb and he took two and a half seconds per lap out of sebastian vettel and esteban ocon he was gaining on those boys at a rate of knots. And he crossed the line somewhere between half to 0.8 of a second behind Seb. Yeah. That's unreal. So had Seb backed off at all yeah. and just decided yeah. seconds for me, Lewis might have caught him on the last lap and got straight past him. Yeah, I I reckon that would have been the case. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you know, Ocon's got a reprimand as well for parking at the end of the pit lane. Yeah. But that's it, you know, which is you know fine by me because um, he gets to keep the win and rightly so. Yeah. Um, so it seems you know the only one I'm worried about with the fuel is we'll, we'll come to these guys in a bit, but George. Yeah. That's, that's my worry, but that's not that decision hasn't been made yet, so it I'm hasn't. sure there'll be a post in due course. And I um, may it may be that I'm leaving you astray here because I'm relying on second and third hand information for the fact that George stopped on track rather than actually seeing it with my own two eyes. Yeah. And I can't see anything from the stewards to say that they're investigating George Russell for stopping on track. So I think that might be we might I'm, not need to worry about that. I'm sure there was something mentioned on BBC. Oh, was there? I'm sure there is something mentioned somewhere. So so Vettel will see the stewards after being summoned along with Carlos Sainz, Valtteri Bottas and Lance Stroll for alleged not following race director's instruction over pre-race procedure. Um, okay. Um, yeah, okay, maybe not. Um, I can't I can't find it. I did read something about it, but yeah, let's, let's just hope that that's not true and he'll be fine because, um, yeah, things... Um, well, like you say, no. Um, going back to Ocon, uh, obviously he owes a massive debt now to Fernando for the rest of the season. Oh man, the Fernando. old dog pulled all the tricks out. You know, you, there's there's life I, in the old dog yet. I think I said to you, what, uh, what a defensive masterclass that was. Yeah, and it was. It was beautiful. He he knew what he had to do for the team there. He fucking knew, and. My God, did he pull it out of the fucking bag? And do you know what? Do you know what was even more satisfying? Just seeing two fucking legendary drivers of F1 going wheel to wheel, toe to toe. Just, there was just nothing more satisfying. It was fucking awesome. I right? just, oh, Crofty actually it... said it on the F1 channel. He said this. He's been waiting. All right, but might have been Ted Kravitz. We've been waiting twelve years to see this because we were expecting yeah. this head to head from Lewis and Fernando when they were at McLaren together, and we yeah. never really got it. No. Hungary, ironically, was where it all really fell apart. Yeah, it, yeah where Alonso it kept out. him in the pit box. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no good. Yeah, but yeah, this this was great racing, and 
it there was. were questions raised at the time from a couple of people about how how legit some of the moves were. I think Nico Rosberg went on record to say that's right on the line of what's appropriate and maybe even a little bit over. Um, yeah. And certainly I've had some text messages from my old man complaining about the same sort of thing. I thought it was fair. I thought it was yeah. elbows out racing. You know, there was one particular oh. move around that long sweeping turn two where everyone yeah. had been going around the outside of turn two and getting a better line for turn three. Yeah. And Alonso knew that, so he took a completely different line in turn two, which was not <laughs> the racing line, but he took him right up to the curb. But as yep. the car in first place with the car going around the outside, that's you're absolutely entitled yeah. to do that. You want to take that line? Yeah. Crack on. Oh, no, crack on, son. Yeah, it's up to you to make your way past me. Yeah. You know, I'm planting my car here. Good luck. You know. Uh, yeah. I and, thought it was yeah, fair. The, the, the slight bang of the wheels into turn four on the blind crest at the top of the hill. Uh, it was just everything that I fucking wanted in a battle. Like, you know, we, we've had great battles, but that was, that was brilliant. Was. That was very, very good. And I liked more so that the teams and the stewards let them get on with it. Mm. And there wasn't that, you know, the stewards weren't going to the teams going, you need to tell them to fucking, you know, cut that down. Fuck it, let them race. If anything happens, fuck it, investigate it, whatever. But they were they were allowed to race, and they were allowed to race hard and fair. And yeah, Fernando was not giving him an inch, and rightly so. He no, made he was, that. Out. He was fighting for fourth place. Why? Why should he give an inch? Yeah, you know, you could argue he? faster car, let him go past. He was going to get past anyway. But yeah, yeah. that's not what racing's about. Had the role, had the situation been reversed, Lewis would have fought tooth and nail to keep Fernando behind him. So I mean, I'm fair. hoping, I'm hoping this shows up. But I sent you this. <laughs> you did. <laughs> that is quite possibly the most accurate bloody meme I have seen at the weekend so far. Yeah. I know who made it. It came from someone's obviously sent it into WTF1, and yeah, credit to them. Um, that's where I got it from, but. Uh, yeah, it was brilliant, and it was good to see Fernando has still got that fire in him. That you know, yeah, it wasn't for a race win, but my god, he was going to fight for every point that was available on the table. And of course he was. You know, uh, yeah. But ultimately, when you look at it, Alonso held Lewis up for about five, maybe six laps because it didn't take yeah. him half no. of that time to get past Carlos. Once, once no. he was up, but I think he caught Carlos the same lap. He overtook yes. him and then made the move on the on the straights in the DRS the yeah. following lap. So it was a done deal. And based on yeah. that massive speed difference, two and a half seconds a lap, oh. we've already said, yeah. had he have had an extra two or three laps, you that have to say that. Lewis would yeah. have won that. I, I just don't yeah. see the Aston or the, the Alpine of Ocon mm -hmm. being able to hold back Lewis on a rampage. And he would have gone straight for his ninth win at Hungary and his hundredth career win. Um, yeah. But it was not to be, which is why I think, you know, as good as Ocon's drive was, as mature as it was, he owes Alonso that, yeah. a massive favour. Fernando saved the day. And, you know, do you know what, though? That's, that is a team player. I, and, you know, I, I wouldn't have seen Fernando as being that guy in his previous, you know, in his previous self. Mm. Like, back before, he was very much he's the team leader and it will be done his way but I'm seeing a slightly different dynamic to Fernando since he's come back this time around he seems a bit 
almost like do you know what it's always a bit like when Michael came back a bit more reserved not as arrogant and willing to do stuff to help the team rather than just go for himself yeah more about developing uh, the car developing yeah. the team than anything else yeah and I'm liking this new Fernando mm. I am liking this new Fernando what I want to see more of is more of those battles. I, that, that's that's something that I I hope we see more of next year um, with the new cars. Um, it'd be interesting to see how he gets on with them because you know it's he's sort of been through all the eras. It's kind of like Kimmy, like you know mm. he's been there when the V10s were there, the V8s. Now the hybrids, the high downforce, and but now back to simplicity. There's not a single driver on the grid that will understand ground effect. Because no, you'd, have, not. you'd no. have to go back a long way for ground effect. Yeah, I mean, I can't see any of those guys coming out of retirement. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably getting on a bit now. Oh, they, they probably are, you know. And Well, uh, but interestingly, on that note, thinking about drivers that have dealt with ground effect, mm. here's an interesting stat for you. Esteban Ocon winning today is the first Frenchman to win in a French-manufactured car powered by a French manufactured engine since any ideas Jesus Christ okay so you see French driver French car I was straight away thinking Olivier Panis and Ligier at Monaco got to go further back than that but but that Ligier had a Magoon Honda engine so it's going to be further back than that so French driver Alain Prost, Renault. Yes, he was. Yeah. <laughs> so, when you think about it, Esteban Ocon is the first person to win in a French car with a French engine as a French driver since Alain Prost. Oh. Now, I don't know exactly when that would be, but given that Alain was in McLaren by 88, we're probably talking about 1986, 1987. I think 86. It's got to be around 86. Because mm-hmm. that's when the Renault was the white, yellow, black uh, livery. Yep, in the first turbocharged era when they were absolute monsters. Fucking oh, hell, that that is actually an insane statistic. Hmm. I like is stats he, like that. Is he the first? Is he the actual first French driver to win a race since Panis? He probably I think is. He is. Yeah. I think he is. I actually genuinely think he is. Yeah, you you might be right because I'm trying to think. What because the French drivers have had? Well, we had the legendary Frank Montagni in the Super Aguri. <laughs> I was thinking more about Sebastian Bourdais and Buemi. But... Oh, well, yeah, but he, he never won a race. French... Jean-Eric Verne was probably the closest. Yeah. And he was midfield for Toro Rosso. Oh, God. The list is alphabetical rather than by year. That's not great. Buemi <laughs> was French, but he never won a race. Oh no, he's not going to be, is he? We're, we're being idiots here. Because who won the Monza Grand Prix last year? Oh, Charles. Yeah, bloody yeah, Gasly. Oh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, we are being idiots, you're right. Uh, but before that, it would be Olivier Panis. Which is just insane to think that a nation that's produced so much for Formula One mm. had that length of time without a winner. But that's only on the basis that you don't consider Charles de Klerk to be French because he's monogast. 
but Monaco, Monaco is France, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, nah, 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 Mon we'll, we'll stick with Monegasque. For the sake of this argument, we'll stick with Monegasque. Fair enough. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that's still an interesting stat, though, isn't it? It's still a crazy stat to think that yeah. France hasn't really been the powerhouse that it once was for Formula One drivers. Because you look back at the history books and the amount of French drivers that have been through Formula One mm. it is insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. And some big names as well, you know, Jean Lacy, yeah. Rene Arnoux, um, yeah. drivers from our era like Eric Comas. Oh, Eric Comas. <laughs> The legend that was <clears throat> saved by uh, Ayrton Senna. Yes, at Spa after a very yeah. nasty accident. Yeah, yeah, there's there's been some some decent French drivers over the years, mm. um, but yeah, it's sort of yeah, it's fallen away from them. Their last one, of course, being Romain Grosjean. Oh my god! <laughs> Not sure I'd put him in the category of one of the greats, but he was no. he was he was an F1 driver. Well, he was an F1 driver and. When he was on his day, he was as fast as the rest of them. Yeah. Um, I mean, his best era was still the Lotus era. Yeah. Well, Genie Capital, not fucking Lotus. Yeah, the the black and gold. With, yeah. Partnered with Kimi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that second half of the season he had with Kimi was he was fucking mind blowingly quick. Mm. But there you go. So. I guess talking about French drivers, the next one on the list of order. I mean, Carlos Sainz has kind of slipped into obscurity with us here. He's he's now got a podium out of this race again. I don't know what it is with Carlos Sainz. He is the luckiest son of a bitch going because he always <laughs> seems to inherit his podiums in the most unusual of circumstances. Yeah, but I don't know if that's a good thing or not because part no. of the benefit of getting a podium is being able to celebrate up there with your trophy and the champagne. Having someone that's come true. and knock on your door three days later and go, "Oh, really sorry, Carlos, here's your trophy." That doesn't yeah. feel quite as special. It feels a bit hollow. Like at least with the McLaren one, he got to go up on the podium after with the team and celebrate. Still not the same. Still not the same. But hey ho, it's another podium for him. Yeah. Um, some good points for him again. And and do you know what? He, he kept himself out of trouble. Got on with the job at hand. Solid race for Carlos. Um, yeah, yeah. Just on his own, getting on with the job at hand. Um. The next two drivers on the list that I wanted to come to, bearing in mind we were talking about French people, uh, Pierre Gasly, now fifth place for yep. AlphaTauri, and the fastest lap that he stole from Hamilton on the last lap of the race as well. Yeah. What, what, a, what a man. What a man. What a specimen. <laughs> now, I, I have to admit to obviously having missed something here, because Yuki Tsunoda obviously was the lead AlphaTauri driver for most of that Grand Prix. And I was watching when I heard Gasly and Sonoda get the instruction to swap. And Gasly, yeah. Gasly started pulling away very quickly and Sonoda was on the radio with some really aggressive messages saying he needs to fucking hurry up because if I'm being told that I have to follow him, he needs to get on with it. And, and then... Fiery about the turbulent air as well from Gasly. Oh, it was, I was thinking, Jesus Christ, Franz, Franz, what are you doing? Yeah, they weren't, they weren't getting on. But no. then... The next time I looked, Gasly was pitting for softs to do the, the fastest lap, and Sonoda was 20 or 30 seconds behind him. So I can only assume Sonoda had also pitted, either for safety reasons or similar. Yeah, I, I'm sure he pitted again. I'm sure AlphaTauri, seeing the gap they had, decided to just pit both of the cars. Uh, because looking at the stats, so Gasly pitted four times in that race. 
and Sonoda only pitted three. So okay. it's an interesting one. Um, but yeah, I, I still, I, I've got to say, it's another great result for Alpha Tori. Like, it was. It was a good you know, result, but it felt uneventful. Yeah. You know, whenever it, you were looking did. at the cars dicing for a position, yeah. I never saw an Alpha Tower involved. No, and just at the end they were there. Yeah, they just quietly avoided the carnage, brought it to the checkered flag, had a bit of a spat between themselves, uh, and brought home. Well, yeah. I mean, it's plus the plus the fastest lap brought home an extra 19 points for their constructors yeah decent haul decent haul of decent points. haul of points for a, for a team like that very decent haul of points mm. um yeah i you know usually you'd think in these situations though gasly would be sniffing for a podium yes because it, that's what he's done on the previous occasions he's been in and around sort of really hunting down that that final podium mm. spot didn't yeah. quite have it today. Didn't quite have it today. Don't know whether that was due to the strategies and whatnot, but yeah. You you could argue that AlphaTauri got something wrong. I'd argue mm. that Alpine just had their number and they had their strategy yeah. bob on, and that that's yeah. what that was all about. And that that is the extra dynamic to this, I think, because we've not had Alpine in the mix like that before. So when these races have happened, it's usually been AlphaTauri that were the lead of the the mid pack that was sort of like you know sticking their nose in and getting involved but this time they had both alpines not just one of them they had both alpine cars up at the sharp end yeah. almost a bit of a hark back to the you know the, the the glory renault days with fissy keller and alonso oh god it goes back a few know, years that is uh yeah that's going back a uh, yeah number of years oh five oh six oh five oh six indeed yeah so i mean yeah but I've got to say, the next ones are my fucking arm. Oh, this is the dream. Yeah. Nicholas Latifi and George Russell, P7 and P8. Finally, I, I, I was fucking yelling. I was celebrating. I, I was going fucking nuts. I was standing. I was literally pacing up and down because I don't know if you were watching the timer on the left-hand side, but Max <laughs> yeah. Verstappen was reeling in George, and I was like... Oh no! And yeah. all we're getting is these fucking slow mo visuals of Ocon cruising around. I'm like, there's still fucking racing going on here, boys. And the race director didn't cut to him. And yeah. I could just see Verstappen just. Oh, he was he was right there, right there. Um, thankfully, thankfully they both held on for a stunning result and. Oh. They did, they did, and I know, I know there'll, there'll be people out there that know I don't hold the TV in particularly high regard. Fair play to him; he ran a good race, oh. similar to Esteban yeah. Ocon. I might not yeah. like him particularly, but he did a good race. It was a mature race. He did well. Yeah, I'm going to skirt over that very quickly to say, not only was Mister P11 George such a hero, but. I don't know what happened to him. Around about lap four or five, he just seemed to have like a momentary loss of power and he plummeted from fourth down to eighth or ninth. And I thought yeah. his race was done. I thought he'd had a failure. I don't know if that was just a, a control or delete and a reset or whatever it was, but he got it going again. But give the man his due. When he was then in P7 or eight and Latifi was running in P3 looking, sniffing for a podium... George voluntarily got on the radio, not prompted, and said, guys, I want you to prioritise Nick. 
he's got the better chance of points here. If he wants a pit stop, you prioritise him over me. Yeah. What kind of a Formula 1 driver with adrenaline coursing through their veins, desperate to sneak up and get some more points, particularly when you're in a points position finish and you've never been able to do that before, gets on the radio and says that to their team? What a bloke. What a bloke. I, I, there's no words. There's no words to describe it. And you know, what I get from both of these guys in that Williams team is this it's, This effort is almost something personal to both of them. Like, they have been there when Williams have been on the absolute floor. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been at their fucking knees. You know, through Claire having to sell the team, you know. Mm-hmm. And they always made it clear that they were doing this for the Williams family and that is what they were doing. And they came so close on occasion with with Claire at the helm. And it's a shame that this result didn't happen when Claire was at the helm because I think it would have been a this would have been a fitting send off for the Williams family. But my God, these guys they dug deep today, and I, you know, I I look at Latifi and much of you we've got the same opinion on Latifi, but today he he will be he will now be a Williams hero in mm-hmm. in, in in the same regard as as George's now because these guys. I've pulled it out of the bag. Uh, you know, when absolute chaos is going on and descending into, you know, just everything going on around them, they've held their heads. They've not overreacted this time. They've not made any of their weird... Because, you know, Williams made some weird strategy calls in previous years gone by, which you think, oh, God, if you just made a different call, it would have been a different, you know, ending. Mm. But fair play to Latifi. He held his own. He, you know, he maintained his pace. Even when he got overtaken by like Gasly, he didn't let it you know, really affect him. He just, right, settle into my pace again. Just keep on going. And, yeah, held it together. Um, and George. Uh, seeing the tears from George. Oh, I know. That, that fucking... That hit me like an absolute freight train. That was like... This is... Yeah, this means something to him. This is, you know, this is what he's been working towards, and and the, it's quite clear to me that the team comes before himself with the call that he made. Like you said, you know, he's you know foregoing his own race strategy because he just wants the team to get some points on the board. And you know what? Credit to Williams. They they made strategy calls for both cars that worked for both of them, and. Oh, absolutely elated. Absolutely elated. And I've got to say, this is... Wow. This is their strongest result in years. I mean, when was the last time Williams had a double points finish? It's got to be like Stroll Massa. God, yeah. Well, I'm not even sure if they managed it then, if I'm honest. But, um, you know, down to several things. They weren't even lapped. You know, they're they're at the tail end of the points, but they weren't even lapped. No. no. It was a great result for what I still think is an uncompetitive Williams. That's not a great car. It's only a hair better than the Haas and probably worse than the the Alfa Romeo. Alfa obviously shot themselves in the foot, which we'll we'll get to. But no, they, they, they did a great a great showing from start to finish and it's a team effort you know Nick and George did a brilliant job on the black stuff but the guys in the garage made some blinding calls strategy wise and it all worked out all worked out brilliantly and the pit crew nailing every pit stop Mm -hmm. not you know no errors It, it was good to see Williams back to this kind of you know that they're all working together again um 
because that team was in disarray for a while and it seems that they, you know bit by bit bits of the jigsaw puzzle falling back in place mm-hmm. uh you know uh, and i hope i hope that they can continue this into next year because if they can make a better car <laughs> essentially you know they've got okay maybe george is going to leave we don't know that we don't know like silly season is still fucking raging on we don't know what the hell's going on with the driver market at the moment i still maintain he probably is going to leave williams and be in that mercedes next yeah. year i do too but you know um hopefully that the sort of the footing that williams gets left on they can continue this trajectory onwards who the hell williams get in that seat next year i i don't know well because so i far, thought i thought know. jack aitkin would have been the leader for that i thought jack was yeah. most likely do you know, yeah, he he's probably a good shout. Is he? I mean, he's has he already got a super license? Oh, I have no idea. Because... But that might be irrelevant if the injury he sustained today to his collarbone well, and his vertebrae is going to keep him out for. Uh, well, this is it, and it's more the vertebrae that's going to be the issue. Um, like well, collarbone, you know. I'm, collarbone I'm not sure. Can... Don't forget, in the in a Formula One car in a tight cockpit where you've got a turn, a collarbone's going to be a, a big part of your rotation to get the wheel. Yeah, right. I suppose. I suppose. To be honest, it's kind of the worst combination you could have. Because you, you know, an F1 seat's not not exactly comfortable. So your vertebrae and your back are going to be rattled to fuck. Well, like look at look at um, look at Kubica. You know, Kubica mm. is still a brilliant driver. He can drive a rally car, a tin top, a touring yeah. car, and do it as competitively as anyone in a Formula One car in that cramped space with the damage to his hands. Yeah. He's not the driver he was in a Formula One car. No. Anywhere else, he's no. fine. No, and I yeah, I still maintain that yeah. Kubica was it was nice to see him come back and get that season but you know it it's a shame it didn't work out yeah. oh, as, as everyone had kind of hoped the fairy tale would be and yeah it's one of those things but yeah I'm delighted for Williams 10 points on the board um I I don't even don't think in their wildest dreams they they would have seen that coming you know and yet as the race wore on, it was like there's a reality here of a double points finish, boys. This is this is looking good. This is looking good, and I, I was very glad to see that because there was that critical phase of the race, real critical part. And I was thinking to myself, if George doesn't get past Mick Bloody Schumacher now, mm-hmm. he's going to be swallowed up by this queue of cars that is now starting to amass. Yeah. And fair play to George, right round the outside of turn two, what a fucking move that was. I, because I, I was with the other half at the time. I was with Kim, and um, we were watching it on in her bloody front room. And he goes right around the outside. I'm fucking going, yeah, let's get the fucking boy. <laughs> and she's just kind of like, I'm assuming the good things happened. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> but see, that that's actually yeah. that makes it all the more sweeter to me because had he have yeah. just inherited that by cars dropping out in front of him, because let's face it, five or six mm. point regular point scoring drivers like Lando all dropped out. Oh. But, that yeah. meant that they were in that position but to actually to make some overtakes and keep it there rather than just yeah. inherit the position makes it all the more sweeter but do you know what yeah. I, I know we'll we'll get down to him but fair play to Mick Mick drove Ooh. a great race he had his elbows out he was oh, fighting he and jostling for position he did a really good job he did a good job and uh, yeah I, I we'll come to Mick because I know, I'm aware that you've already told me some stuff 
bar text yes that I, I think we absolutely have to discuss it's on the list um yeah good <laughs> well we'll come to that um obviously i briefly mentioned obviously who was hunting down the williams cars across the line max verstappen so he ends up getting ninth place yeah. now yeah two points it was always going to be damage limitation for his race it uh, was. I, I will say again miracles by the red bull mechanics again to keep that car going um I don't know how they do it. Like their their mechanics are a different breed, an absolute different breed. Like, but the damage to his floor and everything. I, I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures of that. It was, yeah, it was it substantial. Was, it was substantial. When they say, "Oh, he's got floor damage," mm, yeah, he's got floor damage. Yeah, that's uh, and on these aero sensitive cars, you get damage like that. Jesus, you, you're pretty much driving a fucking you know milk float. It's, yeah. yeah, it's it's again. We've seen Lewis have a similar situation this year. We've seen Valtteri Bottas. I think it might have been Imola last yeah, year. Was, he got a bit yeah. of rubber or something stuck in between the barge board, and it had the same effect. It goes to highlight how delicately poised these cars are from an aero perspective, and yes. I don't want to see that anymore. And no. I'm really glad that this is being addressed next year. The addition of ground effect, the reduction of some of that turbulent air, as we were showing in that, that video last yeah. week, will hopefully make a huge difference where some of these little canards and fins being broken might cost you one thousandth of a second mm. rather than a second and a half per lap. But yeah. Yeah, that really, really hurt Max. The fact yeah. that he spent such a long time trying to get past Mick Schumacher. And let's face it, that has is no match for a Red Bull. I mean, that, that Haas, I mean, like, it's got bad enough quality pace, but that Haas's race pace is appalling. It is atrocious. Like, I don't have words anymore to describe how bad the race pace in the Haas cars is, because frequently they'll be a whole lap behind the next car in front. And, you know, that's, that's painful. That... For Gene Haas, who owns that team, who had such a good start to his team's life in Formula One, he must sometimes be sitting there at night with a strong drink, thinking, "Where the fuck has it all gone wrong?" Because wow. I suspect he's focusing much know. more on his American domestic market than he is on what's going well, on in F One. But yeah, it, yeah. It, it did start well and it fell apart. And we've we've called out before. We think one of the biggest problems here is they don't design their chassis in-house yeah. they don't have yeah. their own wind tunnel some of this design is just not it's not no. doing what it needs to and uh, you know let's not forget so Delara, obviously Delara are the ones who make the Haas chassis they make the Haas aerodynamics all that kind of stuff you know it's all done through them yeah. let's not forget the last car that Delara designed before the Haas was the bloody Hispanias <laughs> doesn't really make me feel that fucking confident and, no. and let's not forget the other cars that they designed in the 90s the Scuderia Italia Dallara chassis yeah Ugh. Uh, <laughs> yeah the Dallara should I mean Dallara was successful at something though weren't they was it IndyCar they designed a relatively decent chassis back in the day so I think they've been involved in sports cars in the past like GT cars um, and yeah. I think they have certainly done IndyCar as well but you know, let, let's yeah. let's be really fair here Dallara know how to make a car they're, they, they're no yes, idiots they do. 
they can make some great stuff and they've won races they've had some competitive cars in the past the problem here is not necessarily that the Dallara is a bad chassis it's that as we saw there's a great video I'll have to see if I can find it somewhere and I'll post it on YouTube or I'll post a link to it there's a great video of McLaren meeting Honda with their engine for the first time as part of their new relationship none of the Honda mechanics spoke any English None of the McLaren mechanics spoke any Japanese, (laughs) and they're sort of they're just engineering, like pointing this, that, and the other, and trying to get it to marry up. And the two parts don't fit. It was like they'd both just been built in complete isolation, and no one had sent an email, a memo, a phone call, or even discussed what was going on. And then when it came to put them together, nothing worked. Well, that's part of the reason that McLaren Honda relationship didn't work this time around, because that has to work perfectly. Because you know, Adrian Newey and these guys will all tell you that engine has to be in exactly the right place to make sure the center of gravity is right, to make sure the airflow is right, to make sure the weight distribution is right. It, it affects so much, and we've seen what a yeah. little bit of floor damage can do to a car. If you get the center of gravity two degrees too high or too low, or you make the unsprung mass wrong, or you move the weight distribution an extra 2% forwards rather than rear, the whole thing's fucked. So you yeah. have to be doing that in collaboration with your engine provider, and they don't even have their own engines. They buy Ferrari customer engines. So by the time uh, they've got a hold of those, well, the, the whole rear end is Ferrari. Um, you know, the whole thing. And I, I get why Gene Haas went down that route, and it initially worked. Money. Yeah, money reasons and everything else. And yeah, okay, it's initially worked, but they haven't innovated further from that original plan and it's kind of you know when Ferrari had to have had their troubles with mm. losing party mode or whatever the hell you want to call it you know the, yeah and and to be honest I was, I was sitting here and I was looking at the actual car designs as well over the last few years and where you got the front teams and they're changing the actual physical structure of like nose cones going from a wide mm. nose to the rounded nose cones and all this to kind of stuff. the droopy nose, to the pointy yeah, the, nose. This is it. If you look at the Haas design, the main core of that design is still the same as the first fucking car that they entered. And this is the gripe that I pointed out to you about the Williams car, is that the main core of that design of the car is still the same from the beginning of the hybrid era. Mm-hmm. And it's only recently that Williams have started to move away from that and we're seeing an improvement in their results. Uh, you know, there's only so many times you can flog a dead horse before you realise it's dead. You know, like they need to fucking. They need their own design office. They need their own design office. They need their. You know, if they're going to use Delara, then they need a sole dedicated part of Delara that is theirs to use as and when they need it. And, you know, that's it. Rather than placing their order in amongst everything else that Delara's doing and going about their business you know there needs to be that sole focus where they've got their own little wind tunnel to go and mock up designs and test them and you know get some data I'm not seeing that from Haas at the moment and obviously you know most of Haas Gene Haas's experience comes from NASCAR Mm -hmm. and that's a standardized chassis you know you can't you can't deviate from that that's that is what it is you know I it's I'm not sure what the things. future is for Haas. I'm really not because no. obviously they they're in this on a very cost-effective model. Um, yes, we suspect that the money from Eurocolai and you know Daddy Mazepin is is probably going to yeah. take over and buy the team. 
Um, and then if that creates an injection of, of money, then so be it. I suspect Hass's best opportunity, similar to Alpha's, is to try and get a parent relationship in the same way Alpha Tour, oh well, they've tried to differentiate, but let's face it, Alpha Tauri is still the stepbrother to the Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, it is. And the, uh, what was the Racing Point or the Force India before that has been certainly in, when they were the pink Mercedes, they were very much the, the brother to, to Merck. I suspect mm. they are going to try and negotiate a much more detailed relationship with Ferrari to mm. create that sort of those shared learnings between the three. Ferrari will get something back from additional data and obviously sharing of drivers and what have you. Yeah. And what what Red Bull what Red Bull uh, what Haas and Alpha will get is a better designed chassis at a reduced cost and mm. access to better information. Well, I mean, that's kind of already in the works, isn't it? Because they uh, has now have their own facility at Maranello. Um, Ferrari had given them their own part of the facility, which is weird to think that Ferrari have allowed another team onto the hallowed grounds of Maranello. But then it makes sense for this dynamic now that's going on. Yeah, um, yeah I, I foresee that Gene Haas will probably sell a majority stake to Mr. Mazepin. I reckon mm. he'll keep some involvement. There'll be some involvement still there from Haas. Because um, it'd be a shame for him to walk away completely. Um, but yeah, Mr. Mazepin's got money to burn, let's be real. He's got billions, billions to spend. Um, you know, he's pretty much funded his son's racing career up until now, let's be real. Um, yeah, and you know, yeah. he, he, he sort of, he's been on the periphery about it because he almost brought yeah, the majority stake in Williams. Mm, so yeah. he's in the market for a racing team. And, you know, Haas is looking like the next real sort of, I guess, opportunity that could present itself. Mm. So it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, and I think we'll probably see more of that unfold with Haas the further in we go to this year. Um, yeah. I think the key turning point for Gene Haas's involvement will be how they fare with the new regulations next year. I yeah. think. I think that'll be it. If they have another shocker with the new regulations, I think he will then at that point decide, right, this is my tipping point now. I need to, you know, think of my actual Haas company. I can't keep on pumping millions and millions and millions into this for little return, essentially. Um, because that's where his money is coming from for this. It's coming from the Haas, you know, engineering firm that he's got. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm and not he's... sure. It depends how much money has get in from advertising. Yeah. I think next year is going to be a real make or break year for yeah. a, for a lot of cars. But I was just kind of, I was just racking my brain a little bit because the thought of these kind of parent child relationships for teams, mm -hmm. obviously Ferrari as the parent team are not going to want. Haas or Alpha to have a faster car in the same way right. we saw Toro Rosso backing out of moves back in the day against Red Bull mm -hmm. less so in the Alpha Tauri era but there used to be a point where they would just jump out of the way and let the, the parent car go yeah. through but there's a line to how much you can do here and I was thinking about current cars because I like a good metaphor okay. so in, in the UK the Citroen C1 the Peugeot 107 and the Toyota Igo are the same car it's the same chassis, yeah, it's, it's basically the same, the same body with a couple of minor tweaks. They are exactly the same car. But if you cast your mind back a little bit further, the Vauxhall Vectra and the Ford Mondeo, 
So the Vectra was also the Saab 93, and the Ford Mondeo was the same chassis as the Jaguar S type, uh, or was it, no, the X type, I beg your pardon. Now, having driven all four of those cars, I can tell you that the Saab 93 is a very different car to the Vauxhall Vectra. Yeah. And I can tell you that the Jaguar X-Type is actually a very different car to the Ford Mondeo, but they just share some fundamental underpinnings. And this sort of stuff's been going on since the 80s, since yeah. um, was it, Nissan and Alpha got together, and you thought, oh, well, that'd be brilliant. Nissan can do the electrics, and Alpha can do the design, except they did it the other way round. Yeah, why would you do that? <laughs> didn't didn't yeah. work. Didn't work at all. No. Um, but these kind of shared learnings are great because it saves a massive amount of cost. If you only have to develop one chassis and then three different teams do it, that's a huge cost saving. And actually, all three teams mm. can chip in. It might only be 10% from Haas. It might only be 15% from Alpha. But that's a huge saving. And yeah, in the way we're talking about some really stringent cost savings coming in the future, they're really going to tighten mm. that noose a little bit. I think that's probably the only real future we'll see for Formula 1 yeah it's heading that way and i think this well i mean look at the new chassis i mean that's kind of a step towards that kind of bringing everyone in in line you know it's aligning the the, the field of cars let's see what happens with it i you know i, I want to see how this is going to work out how it's hmm. going to pan out uh, i think it's quite an interesting concept i think there's going to be some disgruntled voices don't get me wrong oh, yes. but you know it is what it is yeah um we haven't Do we haven't talked Sorry. about Mick properly yet, have we? We haven't talked about Mick properly. No, um, there's a couple of others, notable others, that we haven't talked about as well. Um, let's talk about Mick, though. I mean, while we're talking about Haas, I think it's just the natural thing to do. Yeah. I have got to say, I was absolutely impressed. Very impressed. Because it's the first time I've actually really got to see Mick fighting with other cars on a racetrack this year. You know, Mazepin doesn't count. Fuck that. That doesn't yeah. give a shit. Agreed. Uh, don't care about that. Um, and he was elbows out, but respectful in the way he'd done it. And, I, you know, he'd done a lot there. I think he, he's... With how he was with the other drivers, you know, if I was another driver, he would have earned my trust. I would feel, okay, I can go toe-to-toe with this guy, and we can have a good, a fair, hard racing battle with this. And he defended, like, his life depended on it for as long as that Haas would hold on. And it was a shame to see him tumble backwards like he did in the end. But do you know what? He, he put up a good fight while he could. And, and fair play to the lad. Kind of, I don't know, just some of the way he defended elbows out like that did hark back to his dad. You know, I kind of mm-hmm. got a little bit of his dad in there. And I was like, yeah, do you know what? This, this kid has got something. He's got something there. He just needs the car to showcase what he can do because do you you know like like we've had this discussion about mick you know his first season in any formula has been kind of his right find my feet get Mm. used to it second season all out guns blazing i'm very impressed with how mick has come and dealt with this this season because he's had the measure of nikita on pretty much nearly every occasion i know there's been some blips along the way but he just handles himself well he doesn't get ahead of himself he doesn't you know he's not he's not an egotistical driver uh, which is weird to say that because he's michael's son because you know michael in his heyday was you know oh, quite rightly yeah. arrogant and you know and he i guess every world champion has got that about him and i'm sure you know when if you know it comes to the time where mick is pushed i'm sure he'll 
find that within himself as well. But I just, yeah, I'm, I want to see what is going to happen. Because you, you were mentioning something about obviously some discontentment in Haas and the like. And, you know, a, a, well, for want of better words, a, a potential like shift around the Ferrari Driver Academy, so to speak. Yeah, so I read some stuff over the weekend and some news articles recommended to me that seemed to indicate that there had been a falling out between Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher following a coming together with them at Silverstone. And it had obviously been bubbling for a little while. Now, interestingly, Nikita Mazepin, from what I was reading, Nikita's gone on record to say, no, 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 this has been massively overplayed. It's nothing. We had a couple of internal conversations, but everything's fine. But Mick hasn't gone on record to say anything yet. And the team principal has then come out Mm. and said, you know, whilst we we refer to Nikita Mazepin because he spins, but what he hasn't done is binned it and caused millions of pounds worth of a repair job. And what the suggestion from the team principal was is that Mick has broken the car two or three times badly enough that he wasn't able to continue either in qualifying or the last free practice as we saw in Hungary. And that's that's caused some concerns as well. And the suggestion seems to be, obviously, Nikita's not going anywhere. We know no, that. No, the we suggestion, we know that. Yeah. We, it's 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 got to be. So yeah. this, what the article seems to be suggesting was that they are in discussions about one driver potentially moving to Alfa Romeo, and what they mean is Mick moving to Alfa Romeo because we know Nikita isn't going to leave that team because his dad fucking owns it. So that's yeah. not happening. And I think that would be amazing. I think I the Alfa is a much better car, and I think he would show some good mm-hmm. stuff. But equally, we know from a few races ago that Gio has signed a three-year contract, I think it was. Yeah, so Gio has been given a contract extension. And, okay, I mean, I'm, you know, you like me, I'm not 100% convinced with Gio, to be honest. I, He's not showing anything. When I say he's not showing anything, what I mean is... There hasn't been races where he's outperformed the car, such as your George Russells, mm. you know, or and your Pierre Gasly's. You know, there, there hasn't been anything like that from him in the time he's been in. He had that fifth place, but that's when Alfa Romeo were legitimately a decent car. Yeah. You know, because um, even Kimi, you know, Kimi was picking up those kind of results. So, I mean, yeah, that's that was pretty par for the course that season. Yeah. But I haven't seen anything from him since that has suggested, hmm, Okay, he's got something a bit about him that he's dragging that piece of shit car into positions that, you know, it shouldn't be, so to speak. No, I now, agree. But I think on um, the basis that we know he's got a contract, mm, that's indicating yeah. that Kimmy's either thinking about stepping down or is going yep. to be asked to step down. But when you think about it, so it was Alonso's birthday this weekend and he was 40. Yeah, big 40, yeah. Kimmy's 41. He will be 42 this year. His birthday's October. Yeah. So at the start of the next Formula 1 season, he's going to be 42 years old. And he's been in Formula 1 since 2001. So that's 20 years. That's a long time. It's a long time. Um, but, do you know, he's still, without a doubt, one of my favourite, one of the best drivers still, I think. He's a wise hand. He's made a couple of, like we've touched on before, he's made a few rookie errors this season. You know, we've seen him make some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Very uncharacteristic mistakes, I would argue, of Kimmy. Um, 
don't know, maybe he's just naturally coming to that stage where, yeah, maybe he doesn't want to keep on sticking around at the back of the grid all the time like he is. Yeah. You know, and and I'll be, you know, I'll be the first to say that that car is not fitting of a driver like Kimi Raikkonen, you know. Mm. Um, but he has been that assured, steady hand in that team that they've needed um, to keep them, I guess, on the straight and narrow, you know. Mm. But I haven't seen Antonio really excel past Kimi. And you think you're talking about a driver who's coming to the end of his Formula 1 career. You know, it, he, I don't know if you've played the new breaking point, but he's your, for those of you who play F1 2021, he is your Casper Ackerman of the, 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 you know, the breaking point story mode. He's coming to the last year or so, or maybe even a few races of his F1 career. We don't know. Um, only Kimmy knows that, and Kimmy doesn't exactly the most vocal of people. Let's let's let's, let's mm. be real. I'm sure he'll tell us when he's ready with a fucking ice cream and a vodka. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I now while we're on the subject of Antonio Giovinazzi, I copped a lot of flack on my YouTube channel for my rating of Antonio Giovinazzi um, because I placed him in the one of the bottom categories okay i put him in one of the bottom categories because i've not seen him i've not seen him improve from when he's first made his debut in f1 he's kind of like oh, i don't know how to describe him he, he sort of he's just plodded away mm-hmm. and i don't think he's improved and i i I'm, i rightly you know I, obviously mazepin was his own fucking degenerate class at the bottom because he's shit um but you know geo was in and around that mark where I just don't, you know, if I was a team boss, I wouldn't pick him. That would be, you know, to be completely blunt, I wouldn't pick Giovinazzi. He wouldn't have been my first port of call because, well, he didn't exactly set the world a lot in the junior categories either. I didn't really see anything from him that's marked him out, you know, considerably. And again today, outperformed by Kimi. Yeah. And I think that that's always been the thing for me is that Okay, Kimi Raikkonen is is a fabulous racing driver. He's a former world champion he and he's been at the top of his game for a really long time. Mm. But he is clearly winding down at Alfa Romeo. Yeah, he is. Um, so Gio has to be taking the fight to him. And mm-hmm. he's, not. No, you know, he's not. He has been outperformed at almost every turn by the old man and you know yeah. when when we think about how old Kimi Raikkonen really is his in his first season as a Formula 1 driver Yuki Tsunoda was one year old you know. that's how old Kimi Raikkonen is so Tsunoda was born in May 2000 he's 21 years old well um, that is remarkable that is remarkable Hmm? Kimi Raikkonen could be his dad. He fucking could. He could legitimately be, uh, you know, you could have a father-son duo racing on the grid. Yeah. That is, yeah. And, you know, I, I looked at the lap times today because I was a bit like, mm, okay, so because obviously with the disqualification of Seb, hmm. Kimi now gets uh, a point yeah. for Alfa Romeo. Um, and... I was looking at the fastest lap times. Now, obviously, Kimi had an extra pit stop as well. Oh, no, he didn't. He had one less pit stop. I don't know why. Gio pitted five times in this race. I'm not sure what went on there. Five times. So, Gio Gio pitted um, on the start. 
Oh, of course he did. Okay. So he no, came straight in to, to throw the yeah. dice for a set of wets. I did think someone would. Mm. I'd expected it to be Mick Schumacher or, or one of the guys right at the back. I was surprised it was Gio. But yeah, so he yeah. pitted then. And yeah. then he was also... Didn't Gio get the stop go? Or was that Kimmy? Who got the stop uh, go? Yeah, that would be Gio then. Okay, yeah. well, I'll probably explain it. But even then, when you take both of their fastest lap times, uh, obviously, drying track, weather conditions permitting... I know it's not a direct comparison to make. However, Kimi still achieved a 121.518 as his fastest race lap. Antonio Giovinazzi could only muster a 122.736, which, I might add, was a slower race. That's his fastest lap of the race. It was slower than Mick Schumacher's best. Yeah, that's not great. That's not great. No, if, that's if not you, great at all. If you overlay their results next to each other, so I've got um, mm. Geo's racing history in Alpha over here and Kimmy's over here. Okay. Every time I see what I think is a good result for Geo, over here I'm seeing something better for Kimmy. Yeah. So, you know, in 2019, Geo finished fifth at Brazil. Wow, fifth yes. place. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Kimmy was fourth. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying because that was the one result that Geo legitimately kind of had a decent race. You know, he had a decent result, fifth place, ten points. Whoopee! You know, that's fucking great. But Kimmy's always there, uh, mm. and the, you know, it, let's 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 put it this way then. So, this is a scary situation for me if I was a team boss. Kimmy's winding down. Okay, mm -hmm. let's let's put this scenario out there. Okay, so let's go with your driver moves that's going on. So Kimi comes out at I don't know the Italian Grand Prix and says I'm stepping down at the end of the season. This is it. This is my final year as a Formula One driver. Um, and he goes off to do some I don't know snowmobile racing or something, whatever it is he does. <laughs> so he he swans off at the end of the season. Yeah. You've got Antonio signed up, yeah. which. Then makes Antonio Giovinazzi your de facto team leader. Mm. So I don't understand why you're getting flack. I I don't I, think Gio's I, a team leader. I no, don't I don't think... think he's a team leader. I I don't I don't see him having much of a future in Formula One. If I'm being brutally honest, I not unless he turns something around. Because let's face it, if that was yeah. to happen, I think there's only really three different choices. You're either mm -hmm. You're either putting Mick in the car, which is looking more and more likely, and yeah. I thought was going to happen last year, if I'm honest. I thought Mick was going to go to Alpha rather than Haas. Or yeah. you're promoting Callum Eilat or Schwartzman. I mean, do you know what? Eilat and Schwartzman are both capable racers mm. in Formula 2, and I, I would like to see them in Formula 1 at some point. Mm-hmm. Me too. Especially Eilert. I look, I look, I really rate. I think he's yeah. he's a he's a steady pair of hands in um, you know in, in Formula Two. Um, I, like I'll, I'll I'll read you what was placed. So obviously my driver tier rating. So I placed right now. Th this is again. I know I'm harking on about this, but I he's got a bee like, in his bonnet, fam. Yeah, you, yeah this, I, and you know what? If he this this guy. Um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop his username. He's called Ovani. Okay. Okay. So Ovani, this is 
this conversation is stemming because of yourself and I don't know who the other person is that has liked your comments that you've posted but so my driver ratings um so rookies uh, so it was done it was a bit of a weird system but it was one of those tier maker things so you had, at the bottom you had rookies so drivers that you consider to be an absolute rookie probably shouldn't even be there the only one in that category was Nikita Mazepin. Absolutely. I, I, I think we all agree there. I think that is, you know, case closed on that one. Yep, closed. But in in the box above that was the at-risk category. Now, this was before Gio has signed a contract. Bear that in mind. So, obviously, I look a bit of a tit now on some levels. However, my at-risk level was Valtteri Bottas yep. and Antonio Giovinazzi. Because Bottas has is i don't know what's going on with bottas i don't i don't think anyone knows what's going on with bottas really apart from him mm. only he can sort that mental mess out that he's got himself into and i put geo in there as at risk because at the time there hadn't been any talk about a contract renewal and for me he wasn't doing anything exactly that you know, was impressing me against kimi raikkonen who like we say is winding down his career yeah and that, that's why i put him there and the comments I got on that from Mr. Ovani was, you've rated Antonio two categories below Kimi Raikkonen. Yes, yeah. I placed I placed Kimi Raikkonen. So, like, let me give you the rundown here. So, at the bottom, you've got rookies. Then you've got at risk. Then you've got something to prove, which maybe I should have put Antonio in there. Maybe. Um, and then I had quality midfield drivers. And Kimi, I put in a quality midfield driver. Not a world champion anymore. Not a, you know, not a blinding light, a beacon of hope. Just a quality midfield driver, Kimi. And I put Antonio as at risk. And I got grilled because I've rated Gio lower. Because um, he come back with saying that Gio is 8 for 2 in qualifying. Okay, he may be 8 for 2 in qualifying. But that's not the fucking races, is it? And that's only this year. I, I'm going by what Antonio's achieved in his entire Formula 1 career, which is not a lot. And in the races yeah. where he has performed, Kimi's been that one step ahead of him. So, But yeah, he, he, he's basically said, uh, he's then gone on to say, Antonio Giovinazzi is the most underrated driver. People like you never give him enough credit. He's like, I, I thought that this was a fair skill-based video. Obviously not. I was like, it's and I, and I you know like I said it's a personal opinion if you disagree with me you disagree with me yeah absolutely like, but what know. what credit is it we're expecting to give him yeah, so I know. it's all well and good talking about qualifying you know George Russell is Mr yeah. Saturday but we also call him Mr P11 because he's never brought it home in the points and actually it's points that win prizes Mr Bruce Forsyth I believe once said well so he did I've just done some quick dotting up of numbers go on over the last three years. To date, so this is of as of the 2nd of August 2021, mm -hmm. Gio has brought home that alpha in a points finishing position eight times. Wow, just eight times. Kimi has brought home the alpha in points winning positions 13 times. And similar to that, Gio has retired the car four, Kimi has retired the car three. So what you're saying is the, the old hand who's passed it and should retire is able to bring home the car more often for the full race distance and is more likely to bring you points on a regular basis. That's what the sponsors want and that's yeah. that's what the team wants. And that's what's it because it pays the fucking bills. <laughs> Absolutely. 
So no, yeah. I I don't I don't subscribe to that no. argument whatsoever. I could potentially get on board with the argument that Geo needs to prove himself, and yeah. on the basis that he's now yeah. won a won another contract for another three years, that's probably still, where he should be. Yeah, he's yeah. no longer at risk clearly, but he does need to prove himself. But similar mm-hmm. to you, you make a great point. If Kimmy does go, and Mick and Geo, I don't see Geo as a team leader. Now, equally, no. I don't see Max Verstappen as a team leader. He's no, the number one driver, but he's not the team leader because mm. he's too young, he's too immature, and he's too selfish. He's out for himself, fuck everybody else. Um, yeah. Team leaders are people like Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, um, and he is. He's showing it. Of course he is. And you know, when you think about the other drivers back in the day, like David Coulthard, Mark Webber, they, I know Mark mm-hmm. was up against Seb, but Mark was much better for the team than Seb yeah, he was. was. David yeah, he Coulthard was. is, as we've said before, the unsung hero in getting oh. Red Bull to where they are today. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I've not seen any leadership categories from from Geo, and I'm not seeing anything that particularly excites me it's, either. It's not as if, because, you know, okay, the driving ability aside, okay, off, like, off track and the way the teams operate, I often, you know, Kimmy's not a man of many words, but he will have those vital discussions with, with his engineers now. And I don't really see Geo. Obviously, Geo doesn't get much coverage, and that was another gripe of Mr. Vanny, who left these comments. Mm. So he's saying that because he doesn't have much coverage, we can't judge him. That's bullshit, as far as I'm concerned. Just because mm. he's not on TV doesn't mean we can't fucking judge him based on his results. Yeah. Um, but hey. I don't see geo sort of taking charge you know it, it is he's not it's not as if he's like stepping up knowing that kimmy is coming to the end and he's not it's not he's not showing me that he's stepping up and he's taking that charge with the team and saying this is the direction we're going in i'm not i'm not getting that he's just quite happily oh, i'll turn up to the races i'll go drive an f1 car i'll get paid my ferrari driver development contract you know yeah, and to say you can't judge people on results, you have to watch them on TV is, is rubbish. Because think yeah. about think about the world of work. I am paid on achieving results. You are paid on achieving results. <laughs> if we were both brilliant at our job, but didn't actually achieve any of our targets, any of our KPIs, make any profit, save yeah. any money, we'd be looking for new jobs very Go quickly. On. Results is what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if Lewis Hamilton drove a fantastic race and overtook everyone 17 times, but finished in 12th place in every race throughout the season, wouldn't be a yeah. world champion. Wouldn't be in the Mercedes. Would be somewhere else. Results are important. Yeah, and Gio uh, yeah, doesn't yeah. get them. Gio doesn't get them. No, and I still stand by my rating of him. I, you know, okay, maybe not at risk anymore, but mm. let's put him in. He's he's definitely got something to prove. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see anything of that for him from the second half of the season. Frankly, he might pick up another 10th place somewhere along the line because he's already got one point this season. You know, (laughs) he might pick up another point. I don't know, Mm. but he's not going to achieve much more than that. I can tell you now. I would agree. So, you know, and I feel like today was a hugely missed opportunity for Alfa Romeo. They could have profited massively on that. Yeah. But they fell apart. And you know, they've got lucky in a sense to be taking home a point today, because if Seb had had enough fuel in the fucking car, they wouldn't be taking home a point. Part so, of yeah. that was of their own making, though. 
you know, the, oh, yeah, the unsafe release that took Nikita Mazepin out of the race. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a clusterfuck of pit stops that shouldn't yep. have been allowed to happen. Um, yep. I'd, I'd argue perhaps they should have closed the pit lane entirely and just let everyone line up for the start. And maybe following this, that's what it, they'll choose to do going forward. I was going to say, I was going to say, I, I reckon Mr. Massey, because Mr. Massey loves a little bit of a, you know, a mid-season rule change. You know, he's yeah. not afraid to dabble in those waters. No, absolutely. And it, do you know what? It wouldn't be the first time that that rule's been in place because we had it not so long ago where the pit lane was closed. Hmm. And then teams complained and the rule got removed. But I think it's case in point that we need that rule back. Do we need a quick sidebar here? Um, Do you watch Formula E? I do. I do and I don't. If I I miss it, I'll I'll pick up the highlights. Okay. So I, I don't watch Formula E very often. But last weekend, I was sitting there... I want to say twiddling my thumbs. I was holding a baby and a child, so I wasn't really going anywhere. There was nothing on telly, and I found Formula E, and it was just about to start. And it was at London. It was going through. It was in Earl's Court. Yes, it was, yes. And I thought, oh, watch this. And there was an ill-advised overtake that caused (laughs) an accident that brought out the safety car. Mm -hmm. In Formula E rules, when the safety car is out, the pit lane is, is closed. Yeah. When the safety car was going in... Or the full course caution, it might have been, I forget which. The pit lane becomes open. The pit lane is shorter than the main track. The pit lane speed limit is higher than the on track behind the safety car. But the rules say, because this has happened already, you may not just go through the pit lane to get round everyone and pull out in front. You must stop at your pit box. So I think it was a Jaguar. I can't remember which car it was. I know, I know what you're referring to. They dove into the pit lane, stopped in their box, yeah. came back out again, and to- overtook everyone that was in front of them in the field and went on to win the race. I mean, it's it a was... bullshit move. It's a bullshit move. But I tell you what, fair play to the person who was on that pit wall who called that decision. Yeah. Because no one else fucking did it. <laughs> fair play yeah. to him. I mean, that that is... That's thinking. That's kind of almost like the uh, Michael Schumacher serving the stop go in the pit lane after the race is technically finished. Yeah. Yeah, it's another one of those bullshit decisions, but technically within the rules at that time, it's legal. Not you know? necessarily sporting, but sporting. legal. Um, I think, well, what was it they referred to to Checo? A bit of gamesmanship. Yeah. Mm. Games- a bit of gamesmanship. Yeah, we'll go with that. But yes, um, sorry, I had to take a quick sidebar just to discuss that because yeah, it was amazing. I, but it they was amazing. That, I mean, that to be honest, that should have been something they should have seen. Fucking, like, come on. These people are paid a ridiculous amount of money to come up with a rule set for a racing formula that's going to be seen internationally. And they don't think that these greatest minds of technological advancement are going to think around a little bit of your paper which says you must not drive this speed. Da, da, da. Absolutely. Absolutely. Geniuses, geniuses. I, I commend them. I doff my cap. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the clusterfuck in the pit lane was was a mistake. Yeah. Having you know, I don't know how many cars were still in the race at that point. Seventeen, sixteen cars still in the race. Yeah. So having the best part of 16. fifteen cars. Yeah. To Lewis took the checkered or took the green light, and then yes. fifteen cars dove into the pit. Fifteen cars going for an immediate pit stop in and out. Something was always I mean, going to happen. Fucking hell, I mean, we see it when it's apt, like, you see, like, events like Le Mans, when you've got all those crews trying to work in the pit lane around each other. It, 
it's a nightmare. It is an absolute nightmare. But when you've got an entire grid going in the fucking pit lane, that's yeah, it's not treading on the on that sort of boundary of uh, the, you know. Doesn't feel right. Yeah, it doesn't feel right, and you know, it's got a lot of potential for a lot of bad things to happen. Um, but yeah. So there's that, yeah. one driver we haven't discussed yet. Oh, yeah, I'm coming to him now. Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, now, I'm going to have to go out on a limb here and make an assumption. Because we, we've seen Daniel Ricciardo. We know what he's capable of doing. We know yeah. he's not had the best of years in the McLaren. But he nope. looked like he was turning a corner. Now, obviously, yeah. he was driver number three in that chain of Lance Stroll, Charles Leclerc, Daniel Ricciardo. I'm going to have to assume... That there was some significant floor damage on that car, similar to Max. Yeah, yeah, and he never recovered. Like you look at his, his lap times were slower than Mick Schumacher's mm -hmm. for the for the majority of the race, which is astounding to think. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, he 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 was quite downbeat as well in the uh, in the, the 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 interview that he did after the race as well. Um, I don't know if you caught much of that, but you know, and he was saying he's like he's like, oh, you know, I know Silverstone was kind of meant to be the turning point. He said, but I just he just said he wasn't feeling it here, and I was like, oh, really? Mm -hmm. Like Jesus? I mean, again, he was only P eleven on the grid as well, so he missed Q three again. Yeah, true. You know. Uh, Lando obviously was at the sharp end again, P6 yeah. on the grids. And P3 uh, when he was smashed out. Yeah, I know. I, I, I am actually genuinely starting to worry a bit for Daniel Ricciardo. Genuinely, like, there's a bit of worry creeping in. And I almost feel as if he just needs to write off this season and focus his attention to next year. Because everyone's on a on a different footing, everyone's you know it's a fresh start with the fresh regs and everything else. Yeah, I, I think I, you so. know. I and McLaren, so. McLaren aren't a team to just I, I you know, I, they don't strike me as a team to just cast a driver aside like you know mid season swaps and all that sort of shit. They don't. They tend to stick it out for a bit. No, the only um, driver I remember them dropping relatively quickly would have been Heike Kovalainen. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he still around. managed to—he still managed a couple of seasons there, though, didn't he? Two thousand eight, yeah. two thousand nine. But can you think of any driver they've only had for the one season? Yeah, Perez. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But then that was, to be honest, for Perez, that was way too early in his career for it a was. big move like that. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, he'd only had a—he'd only had sporadically good finishes for Salva. It wasn't like a consistent yeah. at the time. It wasn't consistently good. And expectations were high because he was stepping into Lewis Hamilton's car mm -hmm. and being yeah, partnered was. by Jensen Button as a former world champion as well. So, yeah, yeah that, that was a difficult one. But, yeah, McLaren yeah. don't have much of a reputation in the same way Red Bull or Alpha Tauri do for getting shot of a driver after five minutes. So Danny Rick's safe this year and potentially next year as well, depending on how he does and how long his contract mm -hmm. is. I My worry with Danny Rick is he's chopped and changed teams... A few times. I do you know what I, I'm going to go out on a a thing here. I think with how he's chopped and changed teams, that has written off any chance he's had of achieving a world championship in his career. It's possible because he's never stayed at a team long mm. enough to help develop the car around him. 
So had yeah. he have stayed at Renault as it moved into Alpha Tauri, mm-hmm. that car could have been designed to better fit his needs. So oh. I'm firmly of the belief that Max Verstappen has such oh, yeah. a hand in designing that Red Bull, that it's mm-hmm. on a knife edge and it suits his driving style, but not other drivers, which is why we've seen Kvyat, some, to some degree Albon. Ricardo, Albon, yeah. um, all, all come and go very quickly. And Perez still finding it difficult at times. You know, he had a couple of nasties at, at Silverstone and still manages to lose it. I think Danny's now come to McLaren, who've been building a car around Lando with a bit of yeah. support from Carlos, and it doesn't necessarily suit his driving style. And he's either got to adapt or amend that to how he wants. But cutting and running and moving to another team just puts him back to square one again. Of course it does. Of course it does. And it's a shame that it's gone like that for Danny because, you know, he's a proven race winner, a proven podium sitter. You know, the the guy has... Yeah, exactly. He's got... He has got the talent. He has got the skill. But... uh, I mean, in a different world, that Alpine that's won the race (laughs) today, that was Danny Rick's fucking car last year. Yeah, yeah, still ask yourself the question. You know, you do. Um, I yeah, I I do worry. I do worry about Ricardo. I'm, I I think he'll definitely still be at McLaren for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rule change, fresh start. Let's just yeah. go again. You know, and hopefully have a better year. And that's the thing. Next year is going to be a clean slate for everybody. Teams and drivers. They're all learning something from scratch. Um, And it will sort the men from the boys a little bit. The natural drivers will will start to just shine through, I suspect. Yeah, I hope so. The the only disclaimer I'll put on that is, obviously, with the whole go again next year, if he then has another shocking season next year. Because where does he go? where, Where will he go? Well, I mean, the only other car that was always discussed to be in the running for him was Ferrari. Ferrari have sniffed around Danny Rick a few times, but if results aren't there, mm-hmm. then the Tafosi aren't going to be interested. You know, they um, dropped Sebastian Vettel, and they yeah. dropped Kimi Raikkonen, and they dropped uh, Fernando Alonso because they didn't win a world title. If they if they want the driver in the car, it has to be a proven race-winning driver, and currently Charles Leclerc is... And Carlos signs is. is there or thereabouts, and and I would say Carlos is achieving results. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's bringing home points when Ferrari need points. Mm-hmm. I I would say getting either of those drivers out of those Ferrari seats is a fucking hard task for anyone at the moment. Yeah. You know, um, and if Ferrari come out next year and go guns blazing, um, you know. Uh, Carlos and Leclerc fully settled in with a decent car under him will be a bloody good driver pairing I think um, yeah that Ferrari needs more work it's not quite it, there it, yeah it needs more work I mean we've been saying that about Maranello made fucking cars for years but you know <laughs> we have it's true um, yeah I mean there's not really much to say about the guys who all DNF'd on lap zero um no, oh, it was yeah. a shame. I was I was gutted for Lando because Lando's had some great mm. performances and he did try and push it. You know, he made it back to the pits. He had another he go, did. another attempt, and he just wasn't yeah, making it, just, it. It wasn't. It wasn't meant to be. It was. It was done. It yeah. was done. Um, a shame for McLaren though to have both cars caught up in the same bloody incident. I mean, that's just well, and but so did Red Bull. Yeah, it was so did Red Bull. Yeah, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This. 
it's an interesting like i don't know it's, it's gonna be an interesting second half of the season when we come back from the summer break because it is summer break time now mm-hmm. but this is usually the part of the time now where all the driver contracts start to you know yeah take shape and we start to see the driver lineups for next year um so it's gonna be interesting to see what starts dripping out of that side of things now because this is where all the agents now get their time to go and play and you know well, what, what what can we sort of drum up now to get some interest mm. um and, and it, on the subject of driver markets uh, i don't know if you saw nico hulkenberg's statement that he's made no who has now come out and said that if he does not secure a formula one drive for 2022 he is officially closing the door to f1 in his career okay which is a fair enough thing i think yeah i think it's I a smart move think, yeah i think it is I foresee the only option he's got is Williams, and I did see that Williams have he had, he's made some reference that Williams have been in touch, which is interesting to say because a year ago, Nico was saying, "Oh, I think we're on two completely different, you know, you know we were at two completely different stages." Hmm. I think it's going to come down to how much he wants to be back in F one. You know, do, do you take that drive and risk becoming a kibitzer? Yeah. Or, you know. But I think, I think upper, you take the, the drive. Upper, I think you take the drive. I think, you know, he's a capable racer. Mm. He's an experienced hand. He's had a year now as Merce- as one of the Mercedes simulator drivers. Mm-hmm. He's already got that Mercedes link, you know, now now that he's with them and, you know, he's in Mercedes powered cars for God knows how long. He's got the link there that would sort of still keep that sort of williams mercedes relationship bubbling away yeah uh, it, i think the problem is better. because he's because he's been out of a drive for effectively two years because he only drove he, he did two races last year covering for covid for drivers yes uh three uh, he covered perez once and he covered stroll he covered both the force or the um I'm sure he's done three because yeah. i'm sure he retired from one you might have done but he was By the know, way he put in a cracking yeah. performance at least one of them i think it was silverstone he was he was what right bird? up there for a really long time yeah he's clearly a great driver and he needs a car underneath him that matches his abilities that's always been nico's problem there isn't going to be an opening for one this year because no. the only opening is going to be mercedes and that's only because they're going to choose to let go of Bottas, and the natural yeah. promotion there is going to be George. There's yeah. no two ways yeah. about it. And uh, you know, for me, Nico's not a realistic shot of that. No. If you'd rewound a few years, then I would have said he would have been, had a bit of a foot in the door. But with the current situation, the circumstances he's at, you know, I mean, let's not forget the guy is a Le Mans winner. You yeah, know? Uh, and fair play to him. You know. Like that is an amazing achievement. That's one of the you know that's one of the the big three. Yeah. Um, I think he's only shot back in. Like you say, if there's going to be an opportunity mm. at Williams, I think his only shot back in is to accept that seat at Williams, and to outperform the car in the same way George Russell did, yeah. and then look towards another seat, possibly the McLaren seat that Danny Rick currently occupies, or dare I say it, the McLaren seat that Lando occupies when Lando moves to Mercedes to replace Lewis Hamilton when Lewis Hamilton retires next, next, oh, at the end okay. of next year. Fuck it, you heard it here first, guys. So if you want to go stick that on at the fucking bookies, Jesus Christ, that's a shout. Um, okay. Uh, that, yeah, um, yeah. 
I mean, the, the only thing I would consider here is that Nico, I mean, I didn't even know how old he is. I want to say 31, 32. He's going to be around about maybe 28. He's... Uh, I think he's 31. Okay. I'll let you look it up and you can correct me in a minute. Um, I think the problem is, as a driver of that age, he's going to come in and he's going to expect a salary commensurate with his age and his experience. Whereas if you promote a driver like Jack Aitken then they're going to expect a very, very small salary, but they will bring a lot of sponsorship with them. So actually, it's financially more beneficial for the team, and we know Williams are in a perilous financial situation, but it's financially more beneficial for Williams to promote a youth driver with some financial windfall support from Mercedes, um, if they're on the Mercedes Young Driver program, than it is to bring someone like Nico Hülkenberg back well, into the fray. Yeah, absolutely. And Nico's actually 33, I've just checked it out. Okay. Uh, so he, he's he's getting on. Yeah. The driver that I found really interesting, and I think I mentioned this to you in WhatsApp throughout the course of the week. Now, the driver that was really piqued my interest was Mr. Nick DeVries, who's been touted for the mm. Williams drive. Yeah. I would quite like to see that. Bear in mind, obviously, he's racing in Formula E at the moment for Mercedes. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's part of that, Merce like you say, he's part of that Mercedes Young Driver program. Mm. Obviously, Nick DeVries was at one point touted to be the next big McLaren hotshot to follow in the footsteps of Lewis Hamilton. That was the big thing, because if you remember in that amazing tuned cartoon series, he <laughs> was the little lad that was hopping around the bloody factory. Yes, he was. I remember that. <laughs> you know, and then he kind of just disappeared. And then he burst back on the scene with taking the Formula 2 championship. So he's mm. proven junior category race winner title winner you know he's got all the pedigree there yeah. and he's gone to formula e and he's now the points leader in the formula e championship i i think if he got i've got for it would be an amazing thing actually to be honest he then goes and wins the formula e title yeah he would be going to williams as the formula e world champion the formula two champion uh, it's that's not to be sniffed at. I would say that that is a driver worthy of being on an F1 grid. So I would agree with you. I would agree with you. But I think the problem is you and I look at this from a perspective of being purists and fans and mm -hmm. wanting to see the best drivers and the best cars. And we know from people like Pastor Maldonado, from people like Nikita, Ma Nikita Mazepin, that that doesn't happen. It's the drivers with the biggest checkbooks or the, yeah. the sponsors with the biggest checkbooks. My yes. worry, with Nick DeVries or Jack Aitken both being in the running for that seat, my worry is that Roy Nassani might uh. have better sponsors and bring more money. And that, for me, is very frustrating. Just on the subject of Roy Nassani, are you aware that his father, Chanok Nassani, aged 44, uh, made his test debut for Minardi back in 2005. I'm not. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, Chalak Nisani. Um, he was racing. It was Formula. Wasn't Formula Two back then? It was. I think it was the last year of Formula Three Thousand actually. But okay. he raced in Formula Three Thousand and finished dead last in every single race. A good 
to 30 seconds off the pace of everyone else. That's not the point. His dad was shit, um, but and it hasn't improved much with the next generation. Nope. I do not rate Roy Nassani, and me either. Yeah, I. He's another one of these kids who's got to where he is because of dad's bankroll. What has he achieved in his career? That is what I want to know. So but we've we've seen up. this from a few drivers because although I hate to say it because I loved his dad, um, Giuliano Alesi is the same. You know, he oh. just didn't have the pedigree to no. make it. He was no Jean Alesi. No, and he's not even in Formula 2 this year, is he? No, well, I'm sure it was you yeah. saying that his dad well, had to sell his F40 to bankroll yeah. another so season. His... Yeah, his limited edition F40 that was had some tie to Enzo, I want to say. Um, I know it was given to him in his time at Ferrari anyway, but mm. um, yeah, he sold that um, just to bankroll his fucking son's season. And it ended up being, I think it was Giuliano Alesi's weakest season in Formula 2 as well. I, I, I don't I don't where Giuliano Alesi will go from there um, because he's, he was never outright fast um, I'm no. looking at Roy, Roy Nisani right now as well and it makes for very poor reading if I'm going to be completely honest yeah he's not earned a lot of points in F2 has he but he has test driven a Formula 1 car what 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 so he's tested the Williams 6 times Three times last year and three times already this year. I know, but when you look at his Formula 2 performances... Yeah, they're, they're shocking. You've got 20 plus 12, 32... 32 plus 24... 56? Mm. No. Yeah, 56. So out of 56 races in Formula 2, that's including sprint and feature races... Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five points finishes. Yeah, one podium. Which, is, which <laughs> of, of all places was Monaco. Yeah, I don't understand how that works. <laughs> well, it's Monaco. Half the field probably crashed out, and he uh, just, <laughs> just was managed that, to keep it going. Was that what happened at Monaco this year? Monaco. Something happened at Monaco. This is that Monaco this year. It is Monaco this year. There was a big crash at Monaco in Formula Two. I'm sure there was. There probably was. Yeah, there was. There was. And I think it involved Dan Tickton. So that probably explains everything because yeah. Dan Tickton was just a fucking missile. He came in like uh, a um, torpedo. Yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, he's just a nothingness driver, really. So interestingly, yeah. Roy Desantis, because whilst you were looking that up, I was taking the opportunity to look up Giuliano Alesi to see what he's up to these days. Yeah, so what what is he doing? So first things first, Giuliano Alesi has scored more points finishes and has achieved more points in his career in F2 than Roy Nassani has. Well, so, we know uh, who he, was, he was 15th in 2019 with 20 points, and in 2020 he was 17th with 12 points, which are not great, but no. that's still, you know, 12 points is the most Nasani has ever managed, and that's this season to date. Last year was five, and the year before that was one point. So that says something when we're saying we, we don't think Alesi's got it. But what he's up to this year, he's been racing in Super GT, 
using the Lexus RCF GT3 car. Um, okay. No points finishes there, but hey, that's that's a great thing to do. I'd love to race uh, Super GT car. And he also looks like he's been racing in something called Super Formula and Super Formula oh, Light. Yeah. yeah, so Super Formula is is what used to be Formula Nippon, isn't it? Ah, is that Nippon? Okay. In yeah. fairness, he's doing pretty well. He's second in Formula Nippon, in Formula Light. But what is the strength of the field, though? Because who is he actually racing against? Because if it's a lot of the Japanese sort of national drivers, is it that much of an achievement? It is basically Ooh. it's all Japanese drivers except oh, for uh, Luca Allen, the Irish racing champion and current F4 champion. So not not really a lot of note then, really. No. Oh, Lacey, where did it all go wrong? What happened? It's, it's always interesting to see what's coming up through the feeder results through F2. You know, there are some good drivers in there. There's some good there stuff are. coming. Yeah, there, there are some good drivers. Like, you know, I mean, obviously, we've already mentioned, we keep on talking about Callum Isla and Robert Schwartzman, mm -hmm. two of the most exciting talents that have come through. There is a hit-and-miss one that keeps on. Every now and again, he pops up with some amazing results, and I think it's Drogovic, the Brazilian. Yeah. Every now and again, he pops up with a race where, all of a sudden... He's got the pace and he sails off into you know some into victory lane and you're just like what? And then the next race he's nowhere. He was in the running for the Haas seat for a long time up until Mazepin was, was announced. Yeah, I remember hearing a lot about him last year. See, that's interesting. But um, yeah, not not that quite is... where we where he needed to be. I don't think. No, I. He's he just he, he perplexes me a little bit because it's his inconsistency that does him in. Because if he could keep like if he could keep the pace that he has when he is, you know, fucking winning races, he's unbeatable. Like he's just I, I he's almost your stereotypical Brazilian F one driver, has like flashes of absolute lightning pace and then a complete obscurity the next. You know, it's, it's just he was, I, I, um, he was involved in a lot of the online racing last year he as was. well, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Um, okay, I've got two other drivers to add to this list that I think will be future Formula 1 drivers. Okay. Who are, currently, who are currently in Formula 2. Okay. Um, Oscar Piastri and yep. Theo Pucher. Oh, I don't know him. I don't I know he, him. Theo Pucher? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Fio Pacher. So it's, I think it's Pacher's first season in Formula 2. And he's sixth overall in the driver's standings, which isn't bad. Oscar Piastri is leading the Formula 2 championship at the moment. Yeah. Time. Um, yeah. Piastri, I am very impressed with. Um, I, I, I rated him when he was in Formula 3. He was awesome in Formula 3. Um, and they said straight away, or you know, but they, they kept saying, "Well, how's he going to fare when he goes up to Formula Two? Well, I think he's kind of shut that down. Um, yeah, I, there's a couple of drivers in there, you know, with like you know familiar surnames like Liam Lawson. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, okay, maybe. Deruvel has been around for a while and is still just a midfield Formula Two driver. I I know he's part of the Red Bull program, and they make a big deal obviously because he's an Indian racing driver and obviously the previous one was Narain 
Carthike and the bloody cucumber. Um, <laughs> I just don't see Daruvula now breaking into there, into that threshold to become a Formula One racing driver. I do not see it. So I'm um, I'm surprised actually. So I can I can see Oscar Piastri, um, mm. and and we've already talked about Schwartzman and uh, you know the other guys. Yes. I would have thought the next most likely from that group, or at least my opinion on who I think is the next most likely from that group, is Grand Yuzhou. Yeah, do you know what? An overlooked name. He's part of the Alpine program. Yeah. So my outside thoughts on him were that Fernando is obviously going to be a temporary solution. That would be my thought too. My thoughts would be that Fernando's there to help the team stabilise, mm -hmm. to take that next step back towards where they need to be yeah. help him through the regulation change because he's a proven hand mm -hmm. he retires and you know over the course of that time Zhao gets some like Friday practice sessions in to you know get used to driving the F1 car all that kind of stuff does the young driver test da, 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 and then steps in to replace him leaving which then does mean I mean Ocon's got a three year contract as well any so I mean you know mm. that essentially means Ocon is your team leader is Oakland a team leader? No, I, d I don't think so. <laughs> For a manufacturer, is Oakland a team leader? Who am no. I to judge? We'll, we'll see. We'll see how things develop. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Because there's one uh -oh. other name. There's one other name that I okay. I bit of an oversight is uh, is Yuri Vips. He's Estonian, isn't he? He is, he's... but he's been yeah. on the Red Bull Junior team for a while, and he's tested mm. a couple of times. For uh, for Red Bull, yes. I wonder if if an opening was to appear at AlphaTauri. So let's say, for argument's sake, Pierre Gasly steps back up to the Red Bull team to replace Perez, who steps away, or similar. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, Alex Albon coming back in is probably the most likely. Yeah, uh, it probably is. We know we're not going to see Danny Kvyat again. They're not going to bring him back again. Well, he's um, touted around the Williams seat at the bloody oh moments. God. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yes, the torpedo from the back of the grid. Here he comes. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a lot of fun. But I, I could see I could see Yuri Vips being given yeah. uh, an Alpha Tower seat to, uh, to test out. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I could see that. And do you know what? If he proves himself enough, yeah, there's a chance. I mean, Sonoda was in a sort of similar position to where Vips is. Yeah. Um, you know, for a large part of the season before he kind of, what did he finish, runner-up in the end? So, I mean, yeah, it's not beyond the realms of impossibility that Vips could step up. I mean, they bloody hell, they, they brought Al Jaswari into Formula 1, for fuck's sake. <laughs> and he's he's now a bloody music DJ. <laughs> he's a DJ. Yeah. Oh, I'm a DJ! <laughs> Superstar <laughs> DJ. Kevin and fucking Perry, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's some exciting prospects coming through. I mean, you know, you look at the Formula 3 results. Dennis Hauer. Hauger. Have you seen him? He's no. got a massive lead in Formula 3. So he's currently on 152 points in Formula 3. The next nearest is um, fucking Doohan on 89. Okay. He is... He's hot property. And he's from Norway, so Tosin will be very happy. <laughs> so, so hey, Tosin, I'll give, give you a little shout out there, mate, because I know you watch the uh, the podcasts. So, uh, yeah, there's one there for you. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's you know, you've got David Schumacher coming through the ranks. You've got Enzo Fittipaldi coming up. I see. Um, I'd heard Enzo Fittipaldi had stalled mm. somewhat. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, he peaked at Hungary just gone. He did pick up a, a I think a, a P4. I want to say P4 because okay. he used the same point system. Yeah, so he finished fourth in the second race at Budapest. Okay. I mean, it's by and large, he'd scored zero points for a good few races before that. So, mm. you know, yeah, he's he's not done he's not done himself any favors. Let's put it that way. Uh, a man that is improving though, Arthur Leclerc, um, picked up his yeah. first pole position in Formula Three at Budapest, and also I think won race three as well, Mister Leclerc. So okay. fair play to the lap. Sorry, P two finished P two. So. Okay. Yeah, solid solid race from Arthur. Uh, I know Charles was very proud tweeting him on uh, you know the old Twitter sphere. Um, yeah, so I mean it's exciting to see, uh, and you know I look forward to seeing these guys coming through because um, we need some exciting talents. Like we need some yeah. real standouts because it just feels like it's been a little while before there's been a real trailblazer come through. You know, who's just set the world alight below. It does. Um, I, I think, I've got to be honest, I'd like to see a few more teams. You know, I remember being mm. really, really excited when we had Virgin, that later oh. Russia, and then Caterham yes. and Hispania yes. all joining. Three teams joining at the same time with Haas it was coming. Amazing. And, or Team USA oh. was being discussed at the time as well. There was yes. oh, so much growth. This is amazing. It was incredible. It was. Uh, they, those were fun times because I mean all the car launches you had Richard Branson in his fucking leather jacket with Virgin racing on it yeah it was exciting times in an era that promised a budget cap at the time and that obviously never happened which is ultimately what led to all of those teams dying a death yeah Yeah, exactly I'd Uh, like to see if if we can see some controls to the cost for the new car in 2022 that might bring more people out to, well, to want to be involved. see, uh, there, there is one other topic I feel we need to discuss. Um, and that is that of what the FIA is currently doing, where they're now um, going out and canvassing for new engine suppliers Ooh, uh, okay. to come into the fold. Now, big developments on this, because for the first fucking time for in, like, legit... Porsche and VW have legitimately confirmed they are willing to discuss terms with Formula One yeah. to actually come into Formula One. Hmm. Now I'm all for a few more engine manufacturers coming in because we're quite limited at the moment. Yeah, you know you've got Mercedes, you've got Ferrari, you've got Honda, you've got Renault. That's been the same four for quite some time. And obviously Honda are leaving, so you can't really count them anymore. Mm. So you're back to your real, your main three. Obviously, I know Red Bull are going to call it Red Bull Engines or whatever the hell they want to call it. Fine, whatever. It's still a Honda. Don't give a shit. Uh, but they're not going to be supplying anyone else. That's that's the thing. They're not going to be supplying anyone else. So you're left with your big three that have always been around. Adding in a Porsche engine and a VW engine into that, you know, gives some other teams... A bit of leeway to sort of, you know, maybe branch out if they want to try a new technical partnership that could work. Or, do you know, we're saying about Haas maybe having a manufacturer link up, hmm. link up with Porsche. You know, get some Porsche branded on that Haas car. Because I mean, I don't like the Russian livery. No, um, I can't say I'm a fan. <laughs> no, 
it, it opens up avenues or it opens up the door to maybe a new manufacturer or a new team coming in and giving them some extra options to branch out with and have a new technical partnership with obviously it's a brand new engine though so how good is it going to be so this could be really mm. interesting so first off let, let's not forget Porsche have been in F1 before they have um, the tag Porsche engine is what powered oh. the 80s McLarens um, not did. hugely successfully if memory serves but no. it, it was there now yeah. Volkswagen, I'm sure, did talk about having a Formula One team, actually entering a legit Volkswagen Formula One team yes. a couple of years ago. And it might even be further along, further back than that. I think what curtailed their plans was their emission crisis and the yeah. scandal that came out of it. Now, in fairness to mm. Volkswagen, as we had all suspected, Volkswagen were just the first to be caught. Absolutely, um, yeah, and would. others have been through exactly the same yeah. ringer since. So I yeah. think there's less danger there. But obviously, they took a huge fine, yeah. millions and millions like, of pounds. It was a ridiculous amount of money. Like I don't think I've seen, I don't think I've seen a manufacturer fined to that level. <sighs> Not that before. I can recall. But and that obviously, obviously the cost of rectifying it all. Yeah. But that yeah. that significant cost that they faced would have put pay to any plans to enter an expensive Formula 1 team because yeah. they had other things to focus on. Now mm -hmm. might be the time for a Volkswagen Formula 1 car, although I'd be surprised because I think most people are trying mm. to put their efforts into Formula E for the development yeah. opportunities now, back to their road cars. Yes. Uh, I, obviously, the disclaimer on this, um, f which they announced, was them agreeing a deal to mm. become a partner with Formula One and so on and so forth largely depends on this new fuel concept that we spoke about on the last episode Okay. Um, which you know if F1 decide this is the way they're going it does open up the doors for them because these car manufacturers will want to experiment with this technology mm. and, and you know and that kind of harks back to F1 being kind of a large proving ground for technology before it does filter to road cars maybe it will open up avenues maybe it'll open up doors i don't know it's very early days it's just an agreement to have a discussion at the moment it's not like a oh yeah we're going to enter f1 it's let's sit around the table let's discuss what your plans are for formula one mm. if it aligns with what we want to do as well then fine you know something could happen it could be it could be yeah. really interesting because <clears throat> the one thing that occurs to me is that volkswagen do own porsche they do I mean, Volkswagen own most people these oh, days. You know, Seat, Skoda, Audi, Audi. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they, you know, they've got fingers in many pies. But they do. Therefore, do you badge? Do you design an engine and just one, and then refer to it as a Porsche-designed engine, or actually, do you want Volkswagen? to be the the branding on that engine? Or I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna have it oh, as Skoda yeah. or Seat. No, no, you're not. You might go with Audi. Audi obviously have a pedigree in Le Mans. Do you know, and people keep on... I say people. Graphic designers and all that keep on designing Audi liveries. You know, <laughs> you know it, 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 that would strike me as the most realistic option for an Audi F1 team. Based on the fact that Audi obviously had that domination in Le Mans and everything else like that. 
it's a well-known manufacturer worldwide in motorsports you know for quattro and all that kind of stuff yeah it for me it'd be the logical choice of their brands to utilize to come into formula one with yeah i would think so i would think yeah, if, so. I, if i was a business manager that's what i would be looking at um yeah that was really kind of like the last sort of standout point i could think of um we haven't done our driver ratings we have not so this is we our usual not. finale is it time it is time so i'm gonna bring it actually onto the screen well you can't see it but they can on the screens on the podcast i've kind of just blocked us both out so okay i'm gonna put that right in the middle of us both are oh, look how look how nice that sits there okay <laughs> so uh we will go through our drivers again then so Okay, let's start oh, with... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Before we start, remind oh, me what, what my labels are. Okay. Insane drive. Yeah, insane. Good drive. Good. Average. Average. Underperformance. Underperformance. Rubbish. Yeah. And then for ones we don't feel we can rate, we can just leave them unrated. Okay. Alrighty. Yep. Ready okay. when you are. I, I feel the natural place to start with this is our race winner, Esteban Ocon. Insane. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree. He, he pulled out the goods today. He um, did. And fair play to him. If he can do that on a more consistent basis, yeah. not I'm not saying win races on a more consistent basis. I mean, everyone would want to do that. But just drives to the, that assurance, that assured level and competent level then I might start changing my opinion on Mr. Ocon but yeah, I'll, I'll we'll continue to reserve judgement for the time yeah, being absolutely. But, but, I, yeah. I think we're both on the same page yeah, yeah. Um, okay uh, Fernando Alonso is teammate obviously P4 now with the Vettel disqualification I kind of want something between good and insane I don't think it was an insane drive it was but a I great think it drive. was a it was a quality a drive. Great drive, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, can I add a category? Can I add a category? No, oh, it's not going to let me add a category. No, leave leave it be. Just call it a good drive. Okay. Give him good plus. Okay, <laughs> we'll put him at the we'll put him at the top end of uh, yeah. of of good drive. Okay, yeah. do that. Um, do you know what we mentioned him, Sebastian Vettel? Okay, let's take away the disqualification. Let's talk about Sebastian's drive. Where are we placing him? So I, I again would go for a good, um, yep. because not to take anything away from Seb, but he was put into that position by good fortune. I mean, so <laughs> so was Ocon. For, for yeah, that I know, yeah. But Ocon has the has the good grace of, of being able to hold off a four time world champion for almost yeah. the entire race. Whereas Vettel, as a four time world champion, wasn't able to get past this young little upstart for the entire race. <laughs> so I'd I'd go good. Okay. Uh, good. Uh, we're just going good. So Fernando, good plus. Sab, good. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh. <laughs> Can we rate Lance Stroll? Uh, yeah, we fucking can. Rubbish. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm yeah, not disagreeing with you. I, I, you know, for someone who's driven in these tricky conditions, he should have known better. He should have done. You know, uh, I think the same is going to go for Bottas as well, to be honest. So, while we're there, we're chucking Bottas down there as well. Yeah. Okay. That, 
yeah, you've got to be doing better than that, lads. Come on. Um, okay, where who have we got there? Max Verstappen, P9 now, mm, two points. But then we've got to take into account his car. It's a difficult one to rate him, actually. To be fair. Yeah, I'm struggling a little bit. I want to say underperformance. Mm. Because if the car was that bad, well, I know, I was going to say if the car was that badly damaged, you would have retired it. But there was always the chance of sneaking the odd point here and there. Yeah, yeah. I think he could have done a bit better. And actually, I'm starting to sound on these podcasts like I really dislike Max, which is not necessarily the case. But he's doing some really dickish stuff at the moment. We didn't, in fact, talk about how childish Red Bull have been since the Silver oh, Grand Prix. Okay, Let, let's just, lads, sorry, viewers, we're pausing this driver review. Yeah. Let me remove that from the screen. Let's go back to talking about that childish behaviour. <laughs> Yeah, no, the Red what, Bull behaviour. What the fuck? I mean, seriously, are, are we multi-million pound yeah. organisations here racing against each other in the peak pinnacle of Formula One um, yeah. racing performance? Or are uh, we school children throwing sticks and stones at each other? It. Do you know what? I've got to say, this is the most petty, yeah. squabbly bullshit I have seen in the Formula One paddock for quite some time. Yeah. Like... Going to the lengths to even call in Alex Albon to go onto the track in a Red Bull car and replicate the lines that Hamilton took because the GPS data, which the FIA already had fucking access to, I might add. Yeah. What the fuck? And Christian Horner's re repetition to continue, continue, continue to go on and on and on. Let's not forget some of the bullshit that his drivers have done over the time. Because they have been equally as bad at times yeah you know if not sometimes maybe a little bit worse so if you know you can't just go around throwing stones in glass houses no. and again today obviously the bottas incident uh, at the start and obviously the red bull cars were involved i don't know if you've seen christian horn has come out again and said there needs to be sanctions placed upon mercedes for their actions in today's bell budapest grand prix it's like for fuck's sake christian Get over yourself. It's a racing incident. It happens. It's, mm -hmm. it is what it is. They've been penalised for the next race. You know they're gonna suffer to some degree, yeah. and that's probably gonna put him well away from your two cars again. So you ain't gonna have to fucking worry about them. You know, essentially now it's Perez and Verstappen versus Hamilton because Bottas has been removed. I, I just don't get it. I just do not understand why he's so fixated. I get. You've got a title fight going on and everything else. Yeah. However, however, if you're in a title fight, then your driver needs to start acting like he's fighting for a world championship rather than making dickhead fucking moves on a whim, being overly aggressive when he could just play it safe, take home the points, which will ultimately give him the world championship at the end of the season. Yeah, I completely agree. So I think there's been some really interesting things this weekend. So Lewis was accused of backing up Max Verstappen and Sergio mm. Perez in Q3 and Christian Horner yeah. referred to it as just gamesmanship and they would have done exactly the same thing it, being in the same exactly. position which I exactly. thought was amazing yeah. incidentally I've had a look at the lap times Lewis Hamilton's warm up lap 
was exactly the same speed as the warm-up lap the time he did before. And if yes. you look carefully, there was a few times where he's having to back off because the car in front's still in the way. So that's yeah. that's just one of those things. We've seen this happen before yeah, where cars we, we've seen it before. We've seen it before. And because yeah, they had the track map with the dots of the cars from the F1 app, and they were all evenly spaced. What are you to do in that situation? Because you know you need the space because we know what the draft does to these cars. Yeah. Again. Like and I see these fans losing their minds. Another disgusting thing again, and I'm gonna hammer this home yet a fucking again is this whole debacle or what it's caused. Is oh. the is the constant fucking booing of yeah. race drivers, the booing of you know whenever they're on the, whenever they're being interviewed, uh, you know whenever they're in front of them, it's getting out of hand. I still maintain i stand by my point that you are not a true motorsport fan if you are willing to do that especially if you're also willing to boo national anthems and the sh all that kind of shit well this like, has became really relevant yeah. during the european football yes um, booing of national anthems yeah. is just horrific well in fairness it wasn't just the it wasn't that just doing England. It. others were doing it as well. England, but yes yeah. they were the, the, but it, this whole, um, you know, the, the the booing of Hamilton now. Every time he's on camera, every time he's in the lead. Yeah. Okay, we get it. Yeah, uh, you know, your driver Max Verstappen has, you know, oh, he's fallen foul of a racing incident, which it still is a racing incident in my opinion. Um, but it, it's got to, there comes a point where it's got to stop because you know Verstappen has equally been a prick on race tracks. Yeah. I don't hear him getting fucking booed on more than one occasion. My oh, yeah, say. exactly. I think yeah. for me, Nico Rosberg. And now, interestingly, I'm not a massive fan mm. of Nico Rosberg, but he I. made a really interesting and really good point today um, when he was covering for Brundle on the Sky F1. He said, if he was, he can understand why Red Bull did what they did, and if he was in Christian Horner's shoes, he'd probably do the same because he's fighting for a world title and he yep. wants to give himself the best opportunity. So if he can get his opponent to beg a penalty and make them lose points, all mm -hmm. the better for his chances. But Nico himself said they've taken it too far yeah. because what they've been doing is they've been trying to, rather than pick on the incident, they've been trying to tarnish Lewis Hamilton. And yes. specifically, throwing stones, calling names, bringing his reputation into disrepute, mm -hmm. which is completely unfair and unfounded. Yeah. Lewis has no worse yeah. reputation than Max does for a start. No. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing that came out of it, which I find fascinating, is... So the FIA have said they have reviewed it, and there will be no change, because yeah, Red Bull have offered no new information. But Red Bull seem to be fixating on the fact that it cost £1.2 million to build the car. But that's completely irrelevant. The cost it's of irrelevant. the rebuild doesn't matter. It's the incident that happens that you're penalised yep. for, yep. not the damages that come following yep. that. Because what if it was a Haas? What if the Red Bull cost yep. £2.5 million per car and the Haas cost 250000 per car? Yeah. Is it not as bad as accident because the Haas only cost a quarter of a million to repair? Exactly. That's it not an argument. Trivial. Yeah, it's all trivial bullshit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what are we going to start doing? What Basically finding the opposing team the cost of your repairs well yeah you know, i'll write you a know, check yeah get the fuck out of here that ain't gonna happen no uh they need to stop and it's the persistent lobbying of the stewards as well which is getting all beyond the fucking joke now yeah. um you know and that that goes for all sides that there should be no lobbying of stewards and um, i'm sorry that goes for know. all sports as well i hate yeah. seeing 
10 yep. players surrounding the referee, referee because there's one yeah. there on the court. Healy's sending off. Healy's, look how badly hurt he is. Fuck yeah. off. Let the referee make the decision, yep. sit the fuck down, and respect the ref's decision. Yeah, exactly. There's too much of this. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it almost makes the sport look fucking bad. It just gives, yeah. it leaves a bad taste in the mouth. It's, oh, it's just, it, you know, no you one could, should be proud of that. No, you could argue at this point that we are running the risk of bringing the sport into disrepute. Which um, is against the sporting regulations. It is, and I'd, I'd be I'd be really surprised if no one has had a word with Christian Horner to say, and Max Verstappen for that matter, yeah. who's still bringing shit up. Um, but I'm saying to them, if you continue with this, you will find yourself in a lot of trouble. Yeah, you'll find yourself sanctioned. Yeah, because yeah, it's not on. Yeah. But interestingly, on that note, in the pre-race conference, Max snapped and shouted and yelled at mm-hmm. one of the interviewers um, and whilst that's not appropriate uh, in any way shape or form these people have got a job to do the same as you do so wind your neck in yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. whilst that's not appropriate it does show that Max is not necessarily dealing with the mind games and the, doesn't have the mental strength to get through this that Lewis no. does uh, we've seen Lewis in yeah. the same position in the past yeah. but he's yeah, stronger yeah. now because he's been through it He's been for it. He went for it massively with Nico Rosberg in that that year where Rosberg took the title. Mm-hmm. But I think we've seen a stronger Lewis Hamilton because of that. I agree. Because how he came out of that the very next season, he was fired up. He was, you know, he it was basically right. Fuck it. This title is mine. I don't give a shit. You know, mm-hmm. try your mental mind games. It's not going to work. Yeah, Max is cracking, and that again comes down to his immaturity. Um, yeah. He's he's not he's not a man at the moment. He's you know he's a young man, mm-hmm. but he's not he's not there yet. He's got the talents. He just he needs to be guided in the right way, nurtured, and he needs to start. He's, he needs to start using his brain. He needs to start using his noggin a bit more. Like the thing is, he gets his temperament from his dad because we all know how Yoss was. Oh God! Well, Yoss has been th- uh, had his own fair legal issues oh, as well. Hasn't he just? Yeah, loads of shit off track. You know. Yeah. It's, but this this is one of yeah. those really typical, unfortunate and unfair things about the human nature. Mm. When yeah. you are young enough to be able to do things you are lacking mm-hmm. in other areas that you need be mm-hmm. that knowledge maturity mentality money uh, experience yep. whatever it might be you know as a as a 21 year old man i yep. would have loved to have been driving around in a lamborghini or an escort cosworth but oh, i couldn't I afford one couldn't insure yeah. one didn't have the time to do it yeah. Then, as you get to a point in life where you are a few years older <clears throat> you know one or two um i might have the money to be able to go and buy an Escort Cosworth or I could at least finance one if I wanted to or a Lamborghini but I'm getting older, my reactions are not as good as they used to be, I have different responsibilities, I have different things that take up my time and you know the, the, mm-hmm. the sports car I do have sits in the garage and has done I think 9 miles between MOTs because I don't get time to fucking drive the damn thing this is exactly where Max is, he's young he's enthusiastic, he's skilled he's talented he doesn't have the mentality and the experience yeah. that comes. He doesn't have a Fernando Alonso head, a Kimi Raikkonen head, mm-hmm. or a Lewis Hamilton head. These guys have been there and done it for years. They know what they're doing. 
Yeah, they know when to settle for a second place or a third place. You know, it's a case of it's not worth the risk of losing all of it for the sake of a handful of points when I can still take home 18 points or 15 points or whatever it is. Uh, And that's what matters. And Max is still, he's all out. It's win or nothing. You know, it's, and that's not, you know, he he shows sometimes he has moments of maturity, but they're all too brief at the Mm. moment. Uh, and that's not yeah, that's nothing against Max. That will come with experience, I hope. Um, you know, so for anyone out there thinking we're just slating Max and Tarnishing Max, we're not because we recognise he's a fucking talented guy. He really is a talented guy. He's, you know, he's got that natural pace. He's got the arrogance of what will become a future world champion. But he needs to start taking on board that more kind of mature methodical approach to go with that that complements that yeah i agree you know um yeah i think now that we've had that tangent out of the way and red bull you need to fucking behave or you're going on a naughty step um (laughs) we'll go back to the driver ratings which i'll bring back onto the screen um so obviously we've rated ocon alonso vettel lance and bottas uh lewis where are we placing him today I'm going to have to say insane. I'm yeah, going to have gonna to say, say insane. insane. And the reason I'm going to have to say insane is because Hungary is a bastard of a track to overtake on. We know mm-hmm. that. It always has been. And Lewis has effectively gone from last to second. Of yeah. his own doing. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It was his cock up to begin with. But he's dragged that car through the field. No one overtook as many cars as he did. I, I think no. he did a great job. I think... I'm just thinking here. I think he's... Probably up there for maybe record overtakes at Hungary. Probably is. I think he probably is. So yeah, fair play to Lewis. I, I would agree. Uh, just the way he put everything into that, you know, even when the closing stages and he was stuck behind Alonso, once he got past, he still got the hammer down and went about it just in case. You know, he just he threw everything he had yeah. to try and get that. And yeah, fair play to him fair play to him um we were going to talk about verstappen obviously i don't know where we're going to really put him maybe an underperformance i think yeah underperformance i think he's probably where i'd have to go yeah um can we really rate checo perez didn't get really shot at the fucking race to be honest i don't think we can you know he was he was effectively out before before he completed one lap so checo i can't rate no um okay the old hand kimi raikkonen Obviously, gets a point. Average. Yeah, I think it's just another normal day at the office for Kimmy, to be honest. Yeah, it is sort of around about scrabbling for low-level points. I can't, I can't challenge him for the issues his team caused because I think I'm fairly sure it was Kimmy that was released into the path of Nikita. It it Um, probably was. I I mean, Alpha just they seem a bit in disarray, to be honest. At times, I, I. I, I wonder sometimes they kind of still carry over that kind of bit of a messy thing that Sauber used to have going on mm. um, okay well then last of the well was he like yeah last of the runners then Antonio Giovinazzi his teammate yeah I mean 
I'm going to go average again for Gio. Um, I, I liked the fact that he threw the dice and tried to, to go out on a different yeah. set of wet tyres and, and mm. you know mix it up a little bit. And that obviously didn't play out because of the, the accident no. at Turn 1. But otherwise yeah. he was sort of unknown for the most of the race. Just in no man's land. I mean, his lap times weren't great. So, yeah. Yeah, outperformed by the old dog again. Um, so, yeah. Normal day in the Alfa Romeo team, I think. Mm, indeed. Um, okay, Mr. Carlos Sainz Jr. Picking up a freak podium again. I'm, <laughs> well, yeah, I've got to say that's a really good drive from Carlos. Yeah, because he, he started from uh, 15th, I think he was on the grid, wasn't he? Because of, he he had, was low uh, down, yeah. He, he spun out and binned it in quality two. So, you know, yeah, he, he's, then, yeah. he's come from pretty low, pretty low back in the grid. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, run a steady race, fairly uneventful, and made it all the way to the checkered flag in some good points positions. So, yeah, good race yeah. from him. Yep. Um, obviously, Leclerc was caught up in the opening lap, so we can't yeah, rate we him. I think that's unfair to do that. Um, Danny Rick. So we don't know if he had floor damage, but even if he did, I've got to go the same as I went with Max, and that's an underperformance. Danny's much more capable than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's just a shame. I just I don't like seeing Danny Rick struggling because he's the nicest guy in the fucking paddock. You oh know? yeah, Mr. Cheesy Grin. Yeah, exactly. And we need that back. We need that back. We do. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Nikita Mazepin, obviously, he kind of got caught up in someone else's fuck up, to be honest. Uh, he did. Yeah. I I won't rate him. I think you no, know, less I, than three laps isn't fair. Yeah, I yeah I, I I don't think we could legitimately say whether he's had a poor race or not, because he's not really covered much distance. That's not his fault. Yeah, you know, no. for once in his life, that's not his fucking <laughs> fault. <laughs> So, Nikita, you get a free pass on this one, my friend. Uh, Pierre Gasly, um, P5. P5, yeah. And fastest lap. I'd say that's a pretty good performance. Mm. I'd, I'd say that's a pretty good performance. Good performance. Um, you know, sneaking in for the fastest lap was, was a, a, a clever oh. move. That was a nice little surprise, actually, to be fair, that he's he's managed mm. to sneak that in. Um, obviously, Hamilton would have been loving it for the extra point. Cause yeah. You know, so yeah, to whip that away, it's a clever, clever little ploy within the sort of Red Bull sister team. <laughs> hmm. uh, Yuki Snowder just beyond his teammate, P6. I, I mean, the fact that he's brought it in in P6, I think, is good enough for me to say that's a good again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think and that a, was a, a, handy. Yeah, and a 19 point haul in total for to- uh, Alpha Tori. I keep on always calling him Toro Rosso. They're still Toro Rosso. I do, yeah, they're still uh, Toro Rosso yeah, in my mind. Yeah, mate. exactly. Yeah. Uh, right, so obviously we can't do Perez, we can't do Lando, we can't do thing. Uh, Mick Schumacher, let's go to Mick. Let's go, Mick. I'm giving Mick a good. I'm giving Mick a good. I I, I rated that, yeah. uh, and I loved the elbows out. That was good to see. There was some really good racecraft shown from Mick Schumacher this weekend, yeah. which I think bodes really well for his future, and will only mm-hmm. improve his stock with other teams. Yeah, and it was good to actually see him mixing it with other drivers, but doing it in a way that, you know, he, he didn't take them out, he didn't take himself out. No. I don't think he overstepped the mark, but it was good. I tell you who did nearly overstep the mark is Max Verstappen, 
actually did they did touch in Ooh, that first overtake okay. I um, see that. and I thought that was Max being uh, perhaps unnecessarily aggressive yeah. however at the time I hadn't necessarily appreciated how badly damaged his car was in the fact that he True. couldn't overtake a Haas but yeah that, yeah that felt a bit much felt unnecessary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well it leaves us with our two boys then doesn't it our two main boys Nicholas Latifi come on <laughs> insane uh, I'm going insane. Nicholas Latifi, my van. Uh, absolutely awesome drive. Absolutely yeah. awesome drive. George Russell. Yeah, insane. Insane. Those guys, they've made that race for me, yeah. though, those two boys. Um, and just seeing the pictures of the Mercedes, like, not Mercedes guys, but the Williams Mercedes guys in the garage and that, just, you know, they're celebrating it like it's a fucking race win. You, you think they've just won the Constructors' World title. It was that yeah, it's been that long. 735 days, I believe it's been, since the last time a Williams car scored a Formula 1 point. That's terrible. That's terrible. For a team that, that's won so many world championships and been leading from the front for such mm-hmm. a long time, that's that's a terrible statistic. But it's great yeah. to see them back, and you know, long may that continue. Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, they've shown such good signs of improvement. I know... Yeah, I know Latifi's not exactly set the world on fire, but today mm. he's 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 really earned his he's earned his seat there um, yeah. today with that. Yeah. Um, and you know what? If he's if he's there to pick up results like that when the races all go to shit again, then fair fucking play. Um, he's he's obviously able to keep a level head because he did so. So I mean, mm. you know, could become like a little Pedro Diniz, a little steady peddler pay driver. <laughs> we all who knows? Who fucking knows? Yeah, just as long as he doesn't end up in a long time. Yeah, just as long as he doesn't end up part owning fucking Prost Grand Prix. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's a fair rating. I think I think we're there, um, guys. Yeah. Uh, you can actually see this on the screen this time. Um, so yeah, I had a bit of a fuck up last time, so my apologies. But you can actually see this this time. Let us know where you would rate your drivers if there's anyone you would rate differently. Mm-hmm. I've got a feeling Vanny would be like, oh, Giovinazzi was driver of the day. Insane drive. Oh. <laughs> he fucking wasn't. He was shit. <laughs> he was. He was. He was. Um, I don't think there's much else to touch upon unless you've got any more notes. What have you got on your note? No, I, d- I don't think so. Uh, well, the, the only... Actually, there is one last thing to cover, um, which is okay. that... At the end of the race, I think it was it was really noticeable that Lewis was puffing uh, and he was blowing hard, uh, yes. and he looked really, uh, really unenergetic mm. on the podium. Um, and sometimes you could say that's the, down to the fact that he finished P three when he wanted to be P one, and you know Lewis has form of doing that in the past. But after yeah. that race, I think he would have been a bit more excited. Mm. So it has since the and race been released that he yes. is under the Mercedes team doctor okay I mean the main thing is that one he's getting treated if he needs treatment that he's being looked after because you know if you love him or hate him it, yeah, that's all by the by the, mm. the main thing is that I, I don't wish any of these guys anything like that you know to be ill or whatever it's, that's not the point you're not a true racing fan if that's what you're wishing upon someone and I believe me I've seen some of the comments on Twitter from people. They're disgusting, and you need to fucking get a reality check because it's completely out of order. Yeah. Um, 
Lewis on the podium, I was watching the podium celebrations, and he could barely lift the bottle of champagne, um, mm. which was very worrying. And even Ocon had a bit of a word in his ear, didn't he, when they got up on the top step of the podium, uh, and he kind of had to help him step up. That was worrying, because I hadn't seen Lewis like that. You know, and, uh, you know, we've seen drivers pull out of the Malaysia... Like, going back to early 2000s, let's go to Malaysian Grand Prix. Yeah, we've had drivers pull out of that through dehydration, like Justin Wilson, yeah. where he had to be lifted out of the car. You know, we've seen drivers dehydrate and that. That seemed to be a bit more than that, because, yeah, he was... Mm. He was struggling to catch his breath there. He, it was as if he just couldn't get a, you know, a good lungful of breath in him. So, yeah, I hope he's going to be all right. Yeah, um, well, I mean, he's gone on record you know. since to say he was suffering with dizziness. Uh, things yes. were getting blurry on the podium. So Hamilton, I mean, this is a self-diagnosis from Hamilton, mm. nothing being released from the doctors. He's suspecting long COVID. So he, he had COVID in December. Um, I mean, so as someone who works in a health service... Um, yeah. colleagues of mine who uh, suffered COVID at the beginning of the pandemic all the way back in March mm. and April of 2020 some of those colleagues are still suffering from long COVID yeah. and if you think about things like pneumonia you can scar your lungs and deal with the effects of pneumonia for the rest of your life rather than just being treated for it get better and be right as rain within a week or two so we just mm. don't know enough about COVID-19 to know no. what those long term effects are he could still be battling long covid it could well be you know um and you know you've hit the nail on the head the reality is we still don't know enough about it no. we won't do for some time mm -hmm. these things take time take years to research to understand yeah i mean you only have to look at all the other illnesses in the world so yeah i mean he's got the summer break now to work with the team of doctors and recover and get himself into a better place um, and yeah, I'm quite excited to see what the second half of this season is going to hold. Um, the last couple of years, like 2020 and this year, have just provided such freak races and such close racing. It is, it's proven to be a real, I don't know, a good time in on track battles at the moment for Formula One. Uh, you know. Hopefully, we'll have a clearer understanding as well as to who's going where for next season as well. Mm. Um, but will we see will we see the big seats filled when we come back? Probably not. I would say. I, I think that that will be left for towards the end of the season. I, I would think so as well. Unless mm. unless something happens to force someone's hand, like we saw yeah. last year with the you know it's the sick. early moves at Ferrari and McLaren. Um, which I, you know did take people by surprise. <laughs> it did, and it and it mm. caused it caused massive negativity from the drivers. You know, how do you continue to perform for the team you know and love and are contracted to when they're saying, "Oh, but at the end of the year, you can fuck off." Yeah, it doesn't I, work. No, and <clears throat> what I don't want is another situation, kind of like how Vettel was treated. That mm. for me still hasn't sat right with me. How Ferrari have done that? No. Because you know, you know, Vettel. Yeah, okay, he was having a shit season. Let's let's not skirt around that fact. He was having a crap season. Mm. But maybe that's because the team already knew what they were going to do. And you know, if you don't believe in your driver, you're not going to give him the support he wants, needs, da 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 da, da so on and so forth. That's going going to affect him in a negative way. Yeah. Um, but this is a man that did pour his heart and soul into Ferrari when he joined them. You know. Uh, I don't know. 
it's was Different. one of those things. I just don't want to see it happen again, though. That's the only thing. No, no, I don't um, either. But yeah, I, I think yeah. that will pretty much cover the events of the Hungarian Grand Prix. Bloody great race. Um, and I would quite happily sit and watch that again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, I don't know when our next podcast will be. Well, so I was looking earlier. I think yeah. 29th of August is the next Grand Prix, which is Spa. Um, it is. There was a touring car race this weekend, which I only caught a little bit of, so we can't mm. really discuss much of it. So I don't think there's going to be a huge no. amount of racing going on in between. But um... Ah, what? Now, Le Mans 24 Hours has been rescheduled this year. Uh, I don't it? know when that is. It is, yeah. Uh, Lemons 2021 uh, 21st to the 22nd of August so we do have that coming up we do that will be quite an interesting one I, 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 there's some good driver lineups on the Le Mans grid this year especially with the hypercars that's going to be an interesting one well maybe if we can get our work timetables to align and we can get some time together maybe we could do a, a short podcast pre Le Mans to talk through the entries mm. and see what maybe come up with some predictions well, I've got weekends off all through August, so oh, fabulous. So I'm sure we can put something together for you guys out there. Um, obviously, you know, if you have been liking the content as well, we're just going to drop this in there. Just hit that like button, hit the subscribe as well if you want to keep the updates. The little bell notification as uh, John's doing the uh, emotes in real form. Well, I don't know how he's going to do Ding. a bell. Please don't. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, don't do the other thing that I was thinking. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. that, that that's on my OnlyFans. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. Um, if you want that OnlyFans link, just hit that subscribe button below. You'll get a DM. Um, I, I think that wraps it up for this Hungarian Grand Prix. Um, Wow, yeah, if we get many more races like that this season, it'd be fantastic. Yes, it will. Um, I don't have much more to say, so from me, it is going to be goodbye, take care, much love, and we'll see you after a race somewhere soon, or maybe before a race somewhere soon. We'll see. John, any final words of wisdom from yourself? Oh, God, wisdom's a strong word. No, nothing wow. further from me except to say thank you, guys, if you, especially if you've made it this far. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Uh, please do keep drop us some comments. Let us know what you think. Give us some more topics to talk about in the, uh, yeah. in the future podcasts. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Well, for now, goodbye. Epic game of clear. <laughs>